0: I can't believe I won. And you still got people out there with double masks and face shields and shit. Look into it.
1: You can tell it's real because it looks so fake.
0: Welcome to episode two of Look Into It. Um, thank you guys for joining. Uh, I, I, I got great response from episode one, uh, except for the visual issues we had. Uh, I had to get a new computer. It was all pixelated. Uh Production-wise, it didn't come out that great, but I think we fixed it. I think the pixelation problem has been uh, resolved, and um, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, That first episode with Santos Bonacci, I mean, I had a great time, and it seemed like, you know, at least 90% of the people out there uh, um, appreciated that episode. Um, I want to make something real clear, guys, uh, from this point on. uh, This podcast is going to include uh not just this episode but every episode is going to include a lot of stories (laughs) a lot of stories about uh uh, my life uh growing up all the crazy stuff uh that i went through um you know working at the strip club for 10 years you know djing just a lot of crazy stuff that i went through there's gonna be a lot of stories so if you don't want to hear any of those stories uh i suggest unsubscribing because there's going to be a lot of stories and it's going to be very painful for you if you don't want to hear these stories. So uh, there's there's plenty of other podcasts on Rockfin. Rockfin's amazing. Oh, my God. I just got into Rockfin. Because, uh, you know, I'm on Rockfin. I never, never messed with Rockfin before, but now I'm on it. And, oh, it's changing my life. Because before, you know, when I have nothing to do, I get on YouTube and I look at all the channels that I subscribe on YouTube and I'm going through everything every day. It's like, oh, what's what's up on YouTube? Who downloaded what? You know, and it's just like, you know, uh, something I do every day now with Rockfin. (laughs) There's those there's podcast after podcast after podcast and speaking the truth and uncensored and free speech. I'm like, what the hell was I doing on YouTube? Jesus Christ. So um, there's plenty of other podcasts on Rockfin guys. If you don't want to hear stories, there's going to be a lot of stories, man, a lot of stories, you know, we're going to be looking into conspiracy theories as well, you know, but that's not all that I'm about. I'm not like a hundred percent Alex Jones. That's not me. I'm going to be talking about music. You might not like these music stories. Uh, I'm going to be talking about football. I love the Cleveland Browns. Sorry guys. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Jiu-jitsu. There's going to be times where I'm talking about Jiu-Jitsu. We're talking about like technical ass shit. And if you ain't into all that stuff, there's plenty of other podcasts out there. So, you know, if you don't want to hear the stories, I'm going to help you out. Just say something negative in the comments. Anything negative, anything that shows that we're not on the same frequency block, baby. It's nice and simple. I'm going to save you from getting a heart attack. All right. just want to make that nice and clear. I'm not going to be Alex Jones all day. You know, the earth is flat. New world order is emerging. All that shit is real. But man, I got other shit that I want to talk about too. And um, so I, as, you know, now that we're clear with that, um uh joining joining us in just a bit is gonna be UFC superstar Bryce Thug nasty Mitchell. He's gonna be joining us. Uh, but before I bring him on, um, I want to introduce Uh, my best friend growing up, the the, the guy who knows me more than anybody, this guy knows me better than anybody, anybody. Um, James Watson, he's my my best friend. We uh, moved to Hollywood together. Um, to try to, you know, fulfill our rock star dreams back in '91 in is when we moved to Hollywood. But I actually met him in 1986. I was 16. He was 24. Um, uh, he had an ad and recycler. He was a guitar player, just got into uh uh Orange County. That's where, where I'm from. He, he he got to Anaheim and he was a guitar player, metalhead, moved from Little Rock, Arkansas. He came out from Little Rock, Arkansas, by himself with $300 in his pocket, moved in with a pen pal in Anaheim or so, Reseda initially. And uh, he was just, you know, by himself, just came out with his guitar trying to form a band and he put out an ad in the recycler. And I was in a band, I'm 16 and I was in a band with my best friends, but I felt like they weren't as serious as I, 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 as I was about uh, being a rock star. So I was out looking for other musicians and I got the recycler. And back then there was no internet. There was no internet. It was just recycler, you know, and I saw a guitar player looking for a band, uh, uh, influence Slayer, Razor. And what was the other one? Slayer, Razor, and the creator or Destruction. Slayer, Razor and Destruction I'm like, holy shit That's my motherfucker right there Called him up, we formed a band Speed metal band called Resistance And uh, you know Um, we uh we, We were writing music From, you know, from the age of 16 To 21 Then we moved to Hollywood We started doing hip hop metal Hip hop, industrial, crazy metal And um And uh I want to introduce uh, you guys to Mr. J. A lot of you guys may know him because he pops. He's in my books. You know, he's all over. Uh, If you know anything about me, you know, James. Ladies and gentlemen, James Watson. What's up, James? Yes, the one and only James Watson is here. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing, guys? Real quick, real quick. What was your thought process? What was your thought process? moving from little rock arkansas to california to chase your rock star dreams talk a little bit about that i was completely
1: consumed with being a rock guy i fell in love with rock music and eventually metal and i was absolutely consumed by it i said this is what i'm going to do with my life
0: and i mean it like was- what was the move like like <laughs> Like, how, how do you have $300? You buy a plane tri- ticket and you end up like, what was going on? Well, basically, early on, I was just buying all the albums that I could get a
1: hold of, cassettes. And then I was buying magazines and I would always read articles on people saying how famous they would get. So I'm reading about the guitars from the Scorpions, Angus Young of ACDC. And they said, oh, we, we don't know how to write music. You know, we're not, like, you know, classically trained. We just learned by our ear. And I was like, hey, those dudes are world famous. If they can do it, why can't I do it? it was, you know, I didn't think about it twice. Well, okay, I thought about it a while. But I was like, hey, I'm buying these guys' albums, these guys' cassettes. They're playing all these famous places in the world. I said, why can't I do it?
0: What's going to stop me? What did your parents think about the move? Like, how did, what was it? Didn't you, didn't you get to... Uh, California before you actually told them your plans? Absolutely. I told my
1: younger brother and then my friends, I said, I won't be here tomorrow. I'm going to be in California. They were like, what? And I said, yeah, that's it. I bought a ticket. And here I am. And then when did you tell your parents? When did you tell your parents? Uh, When I got to California, when I got to Anaheim, I said, oh, I'm in California. And, what did and they, they say? were just totally blown away. They didn't even know how to answer me. They just like, oh, okay. They was just, they couldn't take it.
0: They didn't, they were like, what? And that was it. And you, you were just, 24 at the time or 23, 24? Yeah, around that age. Yeah. And now you just, yesterday was your birthday. Happy birthday. You turned 60. Thank you. 60 yeah, I cannot believe it.
1: Sixty.
0: <laughs> six, six, oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's, and, and 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 do you do you remember uh when I called you and, and what you were thinking um when I called you from that recycler ad? Well, even that was crazy. I
1: was like, oh cool, somebody called. I took everything so flippantly then. I was just like, oh, okay. I'll do it. Yeah. All right. Let's get together. And I guess this should work, you know, cool. I hope this guy is cool. You know, I'm going to leave him my number and then hopefully we'll hook up.
0: <laughs> we formed a, uh, we immediately formed a speed metal band called resistance, just a real t- terrible version of Slayer, Uh, but we had so much fun and it was, it was all part of the process. And then eventually, um, We ended up going from me being a drummer in a speed metal band and you being the guitar player to us forming a rap metal band in like we started doing that like in 1990, 1991, when we heard uh, Anthrax and... Public Enemy collaborate and do bring the noise that's that was it i'm like you know i we were bur- we were getting burnt out on speed metal we were just getting burnt out on it and it was time for a change and when i heard anthrax and public enemy collaborate and it was like it was like real heavy rap like dude we got to fucking do this so you became the rapper and i just I I sold my drum set. We we moved to Hollywood. Sold my drum set, and I just became like a music producer. And you became the rapper. And then uh, we got that. You know, we got another guitar player. We got a bass player. We got a drummer, a keyboardist, and uh, we're in Hollywood trying to make it. You know, Um, yeah. And then, uh, uh, damn. And then you know we did that in Hollywood for about six years, and then you got diagnosed with cancer in nineteen ninety seven. Uh, and, uh, man, that was some dark times right there. And you know what? <sighs> You're still alive. You, you, beat it. you beat it. Yeah. That was all me
1: and mainly God helping me out because I'm the kind of person that, and you know what the main thing was? I said, I don't want to see a whole bunch of people standing around me crying about me. That really helped push me through. I said, I don't want to see people Standing around saying, oh, he was great. He was great. I was like, I don't want that. I got to push through this.
0: And here you are. Uh, 25 years later, still kicking. You beat it. like you're a, you're a walking miracle, man. It's, yeah. it's incredible. That's a true credit
1: to God. And think about those brain hemorrhages.
0: Yeah. Right yeah. There. You're You're missing a piece of your skull. Your brain was bleeding and they put a tube. Look at that. Like, we're like, see the back of his skull. Turn a little bit to your left. Turn, turn more to your left. Oh, The okay. other way, the other way, the other way. Turn the other way. There you go. Boom. the skull's missing. They, they had to cut out a big piece of his skull, stick a tube in to uh, drain the blood out. You know, everybody thought there was, you, you went into a coma. He was in a coma right? for what? Like two days, two, three days, something like that. And uh, yes, I remember 100%. Anna, Anna calling me saying he's in a coma. No, the doctors don't think he's gonna make it. And I'm driving around going, oh my God, my best friend's dead. I was like, damn, my best friend's dead. Ah, I'm just driving, I'm like, fuck, what the fuck? And then Anna calls me up two days later. He goes, he's awake. He got out of, he's out of the coma. I'm like, what? He's not dead? What? Like, it's like you, you can't, it's like you rose from the dead, man. It really is. It's like you came back man and you're still believe it. You're 60 years old so uh, one of the reasons uh, or the main reason I wanted you on this podcast is because you're from the same spot as our guest Bryce Mitchell, Thug Nasty you know and I know you got some questions for him, you guys might have some something in common, you guys might have uh, mutual friends um, ladies and gentlemen UFC superstar Bryce Mitchell there he is Where you at, Bryce? Hey,
2: what's up, gentlemen? I'm in Cersei, just chilling, and, you know, it's an honor to be on here. And, um, you know, I've obviously watched your material for years now, you know, so it's pretty cool. It's our first podcast together, so it's a big deal for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. So what part of uh, Little Rock are you you near Little Rock?
2: Oh, it's an hour north. Uh, I was actually in Cabot, which is 30 minutes north. And then I went to school at the uh, Harding and Searcy and uh, fell in love with Searcy. Just the cheap land, you know, uh, the price of land in Cabot, where I grew up, is a lot higher if you're trying to have a farm. Um, Little Rock, I mean, it's not not good, you know. So I had to go uh, to Searcy, basically, if I wanted some, some good farmland and uh, to stay close enough to Little Rock to get there to train, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So, so, um, I, I was, uh, you know, I watched, I was, I went back and watched all your fights again and, uh, you know, heard a couple interviews and, uh, especially the one with Theo Vaughn. And so did you grow up in a, in, in, a city in, in Arkansas? And then you, you went out to the, the country and tried and, and you didn't, you didn't grow up on a farm, right?
2: No, sir. My Mimi did. And she told me about before she passed. That's what she always talked about. She said, "Uh, she was dirt poor, you know, her her whole life. Um, and and they had a farm. They didn't have things though. They didn't have like two pairs of jeans, you know. And but but they but they never went hungry because They're she self sufficient she was self-sufficient but she didn't have two pairs of clothes you know but that didn't matter to her she never went hungry she had everything that she needed and she told me about that growing up and then you know i kind of started studying economics and seeing what society is on the course for and just that's what made me want to uh you know move out of the city and and be self-sufficient
0: sam tripley and i are coming to your town catch us on the road doing tinfoil hat comedy Follow me on Instagram at tinfoilhatcomedynight. We got Chicago, April 29th. We got Dallas, April 30th. June 17th, we got Tallahassee. And June 18th, Jacksonville. Go to samtripley.com for more information and to buy your tickets. See you on the road. And now I'm going to get into finishing the Twister, the Swedish Twister. And I'm going to go through Grace Gundrum's Progression uh, when she got uh, Jessica. Oh, it's the, it's the, race. Oh, I'm the, the way she got into the truck, but when she was into it, she already had her legs in a kamikaze. She could, she was going for a cast lighter. She was here, like oh shit, she's got a kamikaze, and but she wasn't really pulling on it. It's almost like she didn't want it. So she went from here, and then she went smash. Oh, Until she reached her neck, so you'd see her. Block. She's black. She's bottom. Oh. And then she, bam. And then she went. She went mommy, grip here. She went. So you grew up in the city. You were, That's right. You grew up in the city, but, and then, and then you became a, a country, uh, uh self-sufficient uh, farmer, right? That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Okay. Thank
2: you, brother. I moved out, I think when I was 21 years old, uh, to the, to the farm 21 or 22, but you know, so
0: yeah, I was, un- uh, I was under the impression that you were just born and raised on a farm and that's what you did, but you're like learning it. You're like going out there and, and learning how to be a farmer.
2: That's right. And I'm I'm consulting a lot of elders out here and uh they'll put you on the right path, you know. So I'm um, I'm I'm really liking uh what I've done so far and I'm not content though, just you know, because that's when everything starts to die, is when you get content, you know, and then there you it, go, yeah, that's true. And and so I'm just trying to just keep it going. And in fact my buddies come by and they give me some uh some quails. Uh so I got seven quail or six of them. And I had to rig up a pen in the last like three days. I, I rigged up a, a makeshift pen for him. And then I, and then I got a better one A neighbor gave it to me. Uh, I tried to buy it and he said, no, you have it. I'm not using it. So, um, you know, I'm just doing stuff like that. And, and I want those quail eggs. you know what I mean? So that's why I'm farming in quail now. Um, but.
0: So what's man. your farm like? What's your farm like? Look, uh, so you, you, did you use like UFC money to buy some property and buy a farm? Is that what you did?
2: That's right, brother. That's right. And uh, that's so awesome. Man.
0: That's like the thing to do. The thing to do now is to move out to the country and be self sufficient. Isn't that crazy? Like that's the cool thing to do. Like being in cities is like, man, it's dangerous. Staying in the city where you're you're reliant on all these supermarkets and and who knows when when uh, the supply chain falls apart. You know, everyone yes, you're gonna be like be like China. Like what's going on in Shanghai right now? Everyone's try. like at the mercy of the supermarkets, you know, and that's basically at the mercy of corporations.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. And really that was the number one reason for me wanting to uh, produce my own food is because just through my study of economics, which really what got me onto my economic uh, ventures, what got me excited about it is Ron Paul back in the day. Now I heard of Ron Paul through the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, and of course, um, I would go on there to watch him and you talking, you know, and that's where I learned all that, uh, jujitsu that you do. Um, you know, there was actually one video in particular, I think you had a white bunny in the background. Do you
0: remember that? <laughs> he was a brown bunny. it was Bean. That was, my, that was the love of my life. man. I was in love with that thing. Like for real, like it was, it was, people thought I was crazy, but I was in love with the bunny for a while. And, and when that thing died, man, I scream when I got the phone call that he he didn't wake up from surgery, just a routine abscess surgery. I get the phone call and my wife said beans dead. And I'm like, I was like, uh, like, like the mother on good times when she found out her husband died, it was like the season 1978. Remember that? What, what was, what was her name? What was the mom's name? Esther? (laughs) Or was it? No, it wasn't Esther was, what was her name? When she, when she found out John Amos died and she Mm -hmm. was like, damn, damn that's right damn that was me when my bunny died (laughs) and you know that the bunny video the one you're talking Mm -hmm. about is the breakdown of the korean zombie twister on leonard garcia correct is that the one you saw because i think that's the the only one the bunny was in.
2: my memory is so bad i thought the bunny was white brother i can't remember exactly what Variations you went over in that, yeah, yeah. But that video in particular is ingrained in my brain, just at a subconscious level. I mean, it's it's. I remember it that well, you know. Um, But I haven't watched that video in yeah forever. That that video is
0: probably ten years old at least. Maybe no more, more. Uh, That was before my son, and that was I had the bunny before my son, so that's probably twelve years ago. So let's let's um. Um, let's talk about your origins in MMA. Uh, like, how, like, did, did you wrestle in high school at all?
2: I did, yes, sir. I quit basketball in 10th grade because uh, I wasn't very good at shooting and dribbling and stuff. I really liked playing defense, though, because I didn't have to shoot or dribble, and I could just shuffle my feet, you know? And I think that's where I got a lot of my good footwork is from from uh, basketball. Yes, from from playing defense and basketball. Yep, and
0: um, and then you and then you got into wrestling in tenth grade or eleventh grade.
2: Yep, tenth, eleventh uh, grade actually, eleventh because I so played basketball in tenth grade and didn't didn't do good. So I said I want to do something I'm good at, and then started wrestling. And I did taekwondo when I was like uh, maybe like six or seven, maybe something like that for four years. Okay, so, so you had like, like a ba-
0: you had basic understanding of throwing uh, strikes then.
2: Yes, sir. We did uh, dodgeball. We did, uh, and actually, this is my first um, karate tournament. Uh, I legally hit this dude in the face and got disqualified. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, because at my gym we scored, and they hit to the head, and um, I remember because I have one of those memories of this dude hitting me and I and my instructor was like get back on the mat Bryce get back on the mat and uh I kept getting back on the mat and uh but he was backing me up he was punching me so when we went to this tournament it was my first tournament this dude's hands were low because he's only protecting from body shots and uh I I went up and just punched him right in the face man you know I had (laughs) I had no clue I was disqualified uh but that was you know and I did a couple more tournaments uh, that went normal. Nothing crazy happened. But um,
0: okay, so know, when it, you got into wrest, so you, so basically you wrestled in eleventh and twelfth grade. So you wrestled two years, or did yes, you, sir, two
2: years. Yep. You never went to college? Well, um, I I yes, I went to uh, Harding. It's in Searcy and I got a degree in economics. Oh, it's, damn!
0: Uh, you went to college for what? Four
2: years? Well, it took me seven. I dropped out one semester, uh, maybe eight. Um, for Ultimate Fighter I dropped out and my mom was mad but I was I'd reached my limit with as much of her stuff as I could take and I told her, I said, I'm I'm I ain't doing it. I'm I'm done with the school for now.
0: So how uh, many years total of college before you quit?
2: Seven seven to eight. Well, I've I've That's I've, a lot I've, of years of college. Seven or eight yes sir. Damn. <laughs> Did you wrestle the whole time in college, too? Well, I wrestled college wrestlers, but I wasn't on the team. But they did accept me as their own, and I had multiple. I knew I was an all-star D2 wrestler. I didn't know any D1 wrestlers back in the day, but I knew that just from my training with the D2 wrestling teams in the area that I was probably a D1 quality
0: Okay, Okay, so you got a wrestling background. And then explain how you went from wrestling into thinking about MMA and that transition. What was it that, what was it that, that made you think that maybe MMA was the route to go?
2: Well, um, so I did. I think my first, uh, I think my first jujitsu, I think my first fight was before I wrestled. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute, but in
2: in high school, yes, sir. Because I started when I was seventeen, but I started because when I went to wrestler, I had the cage fighter mentality. I had the cage fighter mentality. You know, I was that's what that was my advantage on the other wrestlers is that yeah, they could wrestle me, but you know, I was scrappy. I could scrap with them if I had to. You know what I mean? If and and so I had that mentality uh, going into wrestling, but you know. I'm, my first year, I did win second, and I'll tell you right now, brother, it was that's that'll be that'll hang over my head to the day I died. It's one of my worst failures. My I, my first year of wrestling, I should have won first in state. I had the all the capab- the physical capability. I lacked the mental capability. I let the number one um, other guy who was supposed to win. He had way bigger muscles because I used to wrestle up and. Mm. The thing is, is I was 158 pounds. He cut to 170, okay? So I'm looking at this guy. He cut to 168, okay? And I'm looking at this guy and I'm knowing damn well he's bigger than me. But I'm also I'm i I just didn't visualize myself beating him enough. And it just because I just, you know, it's one of my biggest things. I sh- I had the physical capability to get first place. Uh, in the state championship in Arkansas, my first year wrestling, because I progressed fast as the season went on, and uh, my second year, um, I did really good. I was a force to be reckoned with, and uh, had a harder bracket. Now I only placed fourth uh, the second year. Um, I should have got third on it though.
0: But I so had that, a harder that bracket. whole time. That whole time, you were you were, already had done an MMA fight. Right, I was doing
2: MMA fight now. This is funny because, like I said, I made a disadvantage when it comes to pure wrestling time on the mats because some of these guys they've been training. There's this guy named Pat Smith, and they all go to Pat Smith's, and he's like a wrestling legend and uh, he trains them up. Well, I didn't uh go to Pat Smith's, it was um, you know, I just I should have and I should have been training you know more wrestling and stuff, but I was doing MMA and jujitsu. Well, before the wrestling matches, I go out there and shadow box. That was my my method of intimidating them. You know what I mean? Like all the other wrestlers, they're they're doing sprawls, they're doing um, they're shooting their doubles with the knees on the mat. They're hand fighting for their warm ups. Me, I was shadow boxing. I was doing one, two, three, four. You know, just throwing punches. That was my warm up. And and that's that's the mentality that you know that I took to the wrestling mats and. uh, but I actually started doing the, the jujitsu and uh, MMA before I started getting good at the wrestling in high school, and it, it took me a while for my wrestling to catch up.
0: Did you find yourself doing any jujitsu in your wrestling matches?
2: Absolutely, especially now that I've uh, learned the both of them a lot better. I really integrate them now, absolutely.
0: Wow! So uh, you were you had an MMA mentality the whole time, and you when did you think you could actually, uh, you know, uh, you know, have a shot in the UFC? Like, how did that come about?
2: Well, I used to watch Chuck Liddell when I was a kid, and I used to watch Matt Hughes, and uh, I mean, I just remember being obsessed with them. Uh, I've actually got a Chuck Liddell bobblehead. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, just, I always wanted to do uh, UFC and, you know, I just, I, I, I was just compelled to, to do it.
0: So at 17, that was that an amateur fight or was that a pro fight?
2: That was an amateur fight.
0: How many, how many amateur fights did you have? I had 14. And what was your record in the Emmys? It's 13 and one. Wow! Wow! And how did most of those matches go in your in your amateur career? Were you a, more of a striker, or were you were you taking people down and grounding and pounding? What were you doing? They were all finished. You it were you back. were using jujitsu to finish them.
2: Um. Yes. Well, one was, two was knockouts. The rest was subs, and then I got subbed. I, sh- I this black belt <laughs> got me with the arm bar. And he he popped my arm real good. Uh, My elbows naturally don't straighten all the way. I I don't know if you've ever heard like pitchers getting that surgery straightening out their arm. You know. Yeah. Uh, Well, mine needs that surgery. I don't I don't consider a disadvantage. But on that, you know, I'm not worried. But I'm not ever going to get that surgery. But that's like the the MLB pitchers. If they have arms like mine, they go and get surgeries to straighten them out a little bit longer. But I'm not going to do all that. I believe there's some advantage to my little ended up armed, but one of the disadvantages is that, uh, I'm more susceptible arm bars. I don't have as much twist to do that hitchhiker escape or, yeah, you know, and so, uh, but yeah, he popped my arm real good and, uh, got about four times, you know, and, uh, Herb Dean is actually, who saved me on an amateur card.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what city was that in? Do you remember? That was in Memphis and, and Herb Dean was, was reffing.
2: Herb Dean had my back that night, brother, because that dude wasn't letting go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, um, what how old were you when you turned pro?
2: 20. Uh, 19 when I turned pro, but 20 when the fight occurred.
0: Nice. And then uh do you remember where your first pro fight was? What city?
2: Oh man. Oh, it was in Memphis. It was against a guy named Sheldon, the striker, Smith. Uh, (laughs) How did that go? Well, I got him down. I had a nice body lock on him. Got him up against the cage and uh, got body lock on him. Slipped up behind him. Went to drag him down, but he leaned back, so then I pulled him on top of me and then just threw the hooks in and stayed on his back. Uh, Got one good elbow. With the, uh, from the body triangle, like I went to body triangle and he was so worried about him fighting with the free hand. I got him with one real good elbow right there, split him. And then, uh, after that, he kind of rolled over and I just hipped in and got the choke. But, uh, three days after the fight, he got it, armed robbery or maybe oh. not armed, some type of robbery charge. But <laughs> I do remember that about it. He He was expecting
0: his win money, you know? exactly so do you remember uh how happy you were after that first pro win did did you do anything crazy and and get blackout drunk or anything
2: um i definitely didn't get drunk on that one there was one fight where i did get drunk it was after it you know it but um was it after a
0: loss was it after a loss or a win
2: it was after a win my buddies talked me into it and um we went to this Mexican restaurant to drink uh, margaritas or whatever you drink, and uh, I, I was drunk before I got there. They had me on some Sunny D and vodka. That my buddy that drinks a lot, he told me, "Hey, this will get you warmed up, brother." I it it got me more warmed up. I don't remember going to the restaurant. I remember <laughs> being carried out. <laughs> and that was at, that was after a world series of fighting uh fight that for that organization broke up
0: oh damn you were in world series world series of, of uh, fighting right I that was in was vegas
2: that, uh that that, I, that one was in uh like Kansas city i think yeah okay. Kansas city
0: okay and then um uh you you had your eyes on the ufc the whole time were you thinking, I got to get, I'm going to get to the UFC. That's the goal, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what I was wanting. Um, and it just, I just kept working and not really worrying about it too much. And it really came to me. I didn't have to, all I had to do is, uh, check a Facebook message and, you know, that was the offer and I didn't, you know what I mean? And. But that, that's what I was wanting. I was wanting them to come to me. I was wanting my hard work to compel them to reach out and and offer me that job. You know what I mean? And I just stayed patient. And uh, I felt like when I finally got the call, I had plenty of experience. So that's the good news about waiting so long, you know, because I had 23 fights before they called. So. 23, to...
0: 23 pro fights or combined amateur pro? C- combined. And now, um, you're when they called you, they called you for uh, the Ultimate Fighter show, right? Yes, sir. And who discovered you? Do, do you know how that went down? Was it Sean Sheldon? Gary Shilder? DeFranco. Who?
2: Gary DeFranco.
0: Does he work for the UFC?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's the uh, producer of the Ultimate Fighter or maybe the co-producer, either producer or co-producer, but he just hollered at me one day, and uh, you know I was really glad that he did.
0: And was I was Were you jumping up I, and down and doing backflips?
2: I mean, I was just happy, but uh, you know, I I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if I ever really celebrate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's a blessing, but at the same time, you know, it's a job and you know, I, I knew what it what that meant when they called, you know, what I mean I knew it was about to be the real deal that I was really going in the battle, you know. And um because the local scene it's just you know, I was I was winning. I, I was winning a lot. Like I said, none of my amateur fights went out of the second round. Now one of those was me getting finished in the first round too. But I mean like it, it was just I knew that the, a point in time would uh I would get better competition you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah so uh i did not watch the ultimate fighter when you were in it um the first 10 i think i was like all over cuz i used to work in production for the ufc so you know, it was it was in, in my best interest to watch every episode and know all the new fighters from the new season. I had to be on top of that. I had to know who everybody was, you know, running into them backstage. I didn't want to look like a fool. So I watched all the ultimate fighters like religiously, those first 10, 12 uh, seasons. Hey, but, hey,
2: back um, when Spike, they were the shit. I loved it when they were on Spike.
0: Oh yeah. How, what do you remember the most about the ultimate fighter? Like in a nutshell, take us through the, the experience.
2: Uh, Chris Lieben, uh, you know, get, getting crazy. Um, you know, the Forrest Griffin fight with Stephen Bonner. Uh, no, wait a minute. I'm talking about,
0: I'm talking (laughs) about when you were on the ultimate fighter, when when you were on the ultimate fighter.
2: It took me a while to think of that. Um, well the food was really good the, the food, food was, was good oh it was great actually good's an understatement i mean it it i'm talking i ate sushi twice a day and steak you know and that was that was the best part um that was kind of not normal you know and then you know i really got along with the guys too i really do like them guys um who did you get and- along
0: with the best
2: Uh, I can narrow it down to a couple, uh, Ricky, Tyler diamond. Um, yeah, you fought Tyler in the,
0: in the finale.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, Mike Trezano, Brad, Jay Cuccinello, Jay Cuccinello. Um,
0: so you had a real good time. You didn't like, you know, get drunk drunken fights with anybody.
2: Nope. And, uh, you know, it, I got, I really loved everybody on the show, man. I really did. But there were some people that did get too drunk and I did get pissed off. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I I really did. I'm so glad that I, you know, just was there, man. I mean, it was, it was really great people.
0: Some people on the show, a lot of them, they get super homesick and they get, you know, uh, claustrophobic. You didn't feel any of that. You loved it. You were embracing it.
2: Uh, I, I did want to go home, but uh, I probably had the most fun out of everybody. I will say that. I mean, I really did. I, but, but at the same time, I did have the same feeling being homesick. But still, if I had to redo it, like if they offered me to go back on that show now, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't because somebody had to feed the cows and the chickens and stuff, so I couldn't do it. But I wouldn't do it anyways, even if I didn't have cows and chickens. I wouldn't do it again, but I'm glad that I did it that one time. And I mean, it was just an experience like nothing else, really.
0: Now, um, uh, now you get into the UFC and in your fights in the UFC, you are uh, no doubt, no doubt the best uh, twister player in UFC history you know, you're not a lot of guys mess around with the twister, but, uh, I, I knew right away, like, you know, you were showing me stuff. We, we were, you know, before one of your fights, I forget what it was. I was cornering Tony and we got together like the day before, or, fight.
2: which the fight Rose was it? Fight. The Rosa fight.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That and, um, uh, you were showing me some stuff like, I mean, you know, I've been doing the twister since my high school wrestling days, you know what I mean? And, uh, Uh, you know, obviously back then it was called the guillotine, but in jujitsu, it's called the twister. And man, uh, there's been guys that messed with it. And you could tell like, okay, he's messing with it, but you can tell it's not in their DNA, but with you, man, you are, um, a serious threat with that. In every fight you repeatedly, you go to it and you're threatening and, uh, man, that, um, that one Swedish Twister that you almost had, that you almost had that Swedish Twister. If you would have had another minute, another thirty seconds, that fight would have been done. Uh, nobody, I don't think anybody in MMA history has ever done a Swedish Twister or attempted that move. Where you, the way you, you, uh, you know, when you go baseball bat and you stick the arm down, that is so technical and it needs a, so much practice. The Jiu-Jitsu Dojo is the ultimate training ground for life. Jiu-Jitsu will accelerate the evolution of your being, your consciousness, your soul. Through this amazing art, you will prove to yourself that you can master anything you set your mind to. Happy birthday, Eddie Bravo. I leave for Brazil tomorrow. <laughs> Are you the Fear Factor guy? Somalia. I'm uh, like six pounds over, time to sweat it out. Just imagine someone that has no idea how different
2: your game is. Everybody. I'll tell you what this weekend was, man. It was a culmination point where all your hard work comes to like one great moment in time. You
0: showed that you're a fucking champion, the guy who goes against convention. You created your own shit and figured interesting ways to get around problems in jiu-jitsu. And shows you that great things are possible if you work hard, if you dedicate yourself, and you use your creativity, and you push through, your own human potential just goes up. My 10th Planet Association has grown rapidly to over 70 academies worldwide, and their curriculums are all synced to 10th Planet headquarters located in downtown Los Angeles. I'm Eddie Bravo. I hope to see you on the mats. You gotta keep hitting that movement to getting that, that, that wrist down, you know what I'm talking about? that whole movement where where you're very few people can do that in, in MMA. I don't, I've never seen it. You know, when I saw you do, I'm like, what the fuck? Holy shit. And you were dropping those elbows and the combination of uh, going to the ribs and to the head. If you would have had more time, like another minute, you would have just kept doing that. And you would have just did that for another 30 seconds. He would have tapped from the strikes. Like, how are you going to stop that? How is he going to stop that? elbows to the, the ribs to the face to the ribs to the face to the ribs and um you know you know we'll have a you know uh you know we can't edit it right now but I'm going to put that you know during this conversation I'm going to show people what I'm talking about absolutely amazing man what uh were you in in it's a wrestling move um that you know like i said that's where i got it from uh what were you a leg rider in wrestling did you do guillotines in wrestling
2: um nope not not at all uh you didn't okay. i did in my second year i did start putting in legs though my second year i did, um and i did start doing some leg riding getting them hooks in you know uh but no, I didn't ever do any guillotines in wrestling. Uh, I mean, your your jujitsu videos is what uh, led me to the twister. I mean, without you doing that breakdown in that video with the bunny, and there was one uh, with Dean Lister too. I don't know if you remember that one, Dean Lister, and y'all are kind of exchanging thoughts. And uh Man, you I forgot about that one. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I one. think I think that's actually a rubber guard one because you know I, I yes, also do yes, this, that's a rubber guard one. That's a rubber guard one. Also do the meat hook, you know. Oh and, yeah, you that, had a
0: triangle. You did a meat hook triangle. The guy survived it. I don't know how he survived that. It looked like it was done. That thing was deep and sunk in. But um when it yeah, the the meat hook triangle, it's in the rubber guard game, it's considered like probably the most basic form of rubber guard, but in the whole realm of jujitsu, that's super technical stuff. Like doing a meat hook triangle, very few people um uh, uh, are good at it and can pull it off and you pulled it off real quick. As soon as like you were on the guy's back and you kind of slipped off and then it was in your guard and you went right to meat hook and you went right to it. Um, in MMA, if that's all you did, rubber guard, like, you know, what? and you said that I asked you uh, after watching how good you were with the twister, I was like, man, do you ever, do you ever play any rubber guard? And you said, nah, all I really play is meat hook. I'm like, that's all you really need. You know? Yeah, like, I
2: do I remember do- you. That's exactly what you said.
0: That's all you really need. If that, especially with strikes. Now, if there's no strikes and you're playing just pure sub only jujitsu, right. then you need, uh, you might need a lot more. You can't just rely on the meat hook triangle because um, any guard, like any submission from the guard, is way harder when there's no strikes. Because when there's no strikes, people just, they just T Rex up, boom, they don't have to focus on striking at all because it's not allowed. So it's easier to defend. Uh rubber guard. So you need more options, you need more strategy, you need more paths. There's so many mm. different styles of rubber guard. I mean, for instance, like Ben Eddy. Have you heard of Ben Eddy? Ben Eddy is one of my black belts.
2: I might have met him, but I don't I can't remember. I did go to one of your schools in um uh
0: Oceanside. L- LA. LA. Okay. Uh well, Ben Eddy is uh uh one of the the best rubber guard players in the world. I mean, he's right there in the conversation, top three, maybe number one. He's gotten so many finishes, so many finishes from rubber guard. But he does Hindulo teens, man. Remember that Hindulo teen? That's a that's a, a a guillotine, a rubber guard guillotine. Uh-huh. Uh Hindulo teen's insane. It's insane. Uh-huh. We'll put that up too for uh, yeah. well, in post in post production, yeah, but in the- uh, it's insane. And I never play that. That's I mean all rubber guard starts off the same. Little Mission Control, maybe a little meat hook, but from there everybody, all the rubber guard masters go a different path. But like I said, in in mma because uh there's more openings and people it's more dangerous to play any kind of guard in mma but it's easier to get meat hook triangles because guys will open up and try to punch you and they just open themselves up so in mma if that's all you did is meat hook that's all you went to hey man you can get a lot of mileage from that but there is other paths and there's other ways there's the dead orchard game are you familiar with dead orchards
2: I I mean I've definitely heard of it. It's hard to find a good video on it out
0: there. I'll send you some stuff. Uh, but there's there's a lot of different ways. There's go go clinches, there's the meat hook game, there's the dead orchard game, there's the Hindu uh, Hindulo Teen game, a uh, Boogie. Uh-huh. Boogie uh Richie Martinez, he's you know right no, there know in the conversation. Boogie. Yeah, Boogie's in the conversation for yeah. best rubber guard player ever. Uh-huh. Uh,
2: I've watched him. I've, I've watched boogie. Yeah. Yeah. Him, Jeremiah
0: Vance, Grace Gundrum. I mean, um, they're all, they're all in the conversation and they all go to different, it all starts off mission control, but then everyone goes their own different way. Even myself, I go my own little way. Um, there's so much to it, man. So, but, but, um, just the fact that you're playing, meat hook you're good dog i'll show you a couple other things but man just keep hitting that when you got a guy in full guard you might as well meat hook him because even if the triangle don't work even if the setup don't work the process of it keeps you safe like yeah. if you tell mission control or you hold crackhead control or you're like fishing for a meat hook there's no way they can hurt you so even if you, it doesn't lead to a submission or it doesn't lead to a sweep uh, you're not getting hit. So it's working. It's keeping you safe. You're on the bottom guys on top. He's got uh, his weight on you. He can, you know, ground and pound. A lot of guys get knocked out, uh, uh, you know, um, from being on the bottom, if you don't have a good guard, but the process, the attempt of rubber guard will keep you safe. Yeah, you
2: know, 100, 100%. And um, you know, I, with that meat hook I've, I've tapped one of the best, best best uh, jujitsu guys in the world with it, you know. And, oh, who who did you get? Well, I'm not gonna say no names. Because oh, was this it, like in in training? This was in training, right? But oh it's yeah, in yeah, don't training. say no names. He, but he's in, and this guy's bigger than me, you know. And but he wasn't going 100. But I would, but we were in that meat hook, and I was flowing, and he kind of underestimated me, and he got stagnant in that in that half guard, and he got stagnant and. And I got him and And that's, I mean, when I got that guy, you know, I knew, Hey, this, I'm, I might not get it on people in fights, but I can, I have the ability to, you know, I I can get any, I know I can get anybody with it.
0: It's better than just sitting in full guard holding on. Right. I mean, because it just regular full guard, you can get crushed. You know, uh, people get pounded out just in regular full guard. So if you're on the attack and they have, and you're putting them on defense, you know, um, I once coached a guy, I, uh, I coached a guy, um, against a rubber guard master and it felt really weird. Cause I'm always, I'm always rooting for rubber guard, but I coached a guy against a rubber guard player and, um, I just coached him to, to not punch. And just, if you get caught in rubber guard, don't punch, just stay T-Rex, keep your elbows kind of wide, not to just stay in that safe zone and just don't do anything. You know what I mean? If you don't do anything and you just T-Rex, yeah, you could stalemate um, a, rub- a rubber guard player, but you're not going to knock him out. You're not going to do any damage. So in my eyes that's uh, success for the rubber guard, just just based on the defensive aspect.
2: All right. And, uh um... You know, I remember another thing um, you said this a long time ago, too. And really, this is more philosophical uh, when you talk about the just philosophies of fighting. And it's always stuck with me. I use it all the time. Uh, you said if I was going to train an MMA fighter, he said, I. you said, first thing I do is tell him to fall in love with jujitsu. I remember you, you said that a long time ago and that's what I did. And uh, you know, so I love all those little intricacies and um, you know, that's what keeps me safe.
0: Yeah. You know, especially for wrestlers, you know, wrestlers, that wrestlers that fall in love with jujitsu. Those are the most dangerous ones wrestlers that try to use their wrestling to Uh, stop jujitsu and use their wrestling as anti jujitsu you don't have to worry about those guys those guys are never going to get that good you know uh, all the most dangerous guys like all my best guys are are, you know most of them not all of them you know you have a wrestling background and you fall in love with jujitsu you use all those years of wrestling to uh, um, take your passing to the elite level and get on that back use your wrestling to get the back and just you just tweak the game a little but you use all that wrestling, fall in love with jiu-jitsu. Those are the most dangerous ones. Those are the guys like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. You know, there's some like PJ Bart. He's one of my top guys wrestled his whole life. That guy's an animal. Keith Krikorian. he's a wrestler. And then we got guys like uh, Gio Martinez and Boogie Man who, who they didn't wrestle, but they that were break dancers their whole life. And that translated, that translated just like wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I got, you know, like now uh, at HQ, my top guys, uh, Luis Quinones. that guy wrestled his whole life. And man, this guy's an insane guard passer. He takes your back, you're mm-hmm. done, son. Luis Quinones, mm-hmm. shit. And then I got another wrestler coming up. Oh man, he's like 23 years old, wrestled his whole life. His name, Sam fell. Sam Schwartz, remember that name? He's been with me for two years. God damn. He's just taking that wrestling and just turning it into jujitsu ninja techniques. I mean, his, his, that's to me, when I have, when I get a wrestler coming into my gym and he listens and he lets all the wrestling go and just say, you're a jujitsu guy now. Um, of course, you want to be the wrestler. You, of course, you want to be on top. Of course, you want the takedown. It's always best to be on top. But there's a lot of badass wrestlers out there, a lot. And at the top, Man, there's a lot of wrestlers. So there's gonna be times where you're on your back, man, and you 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 gotta prepare for your worst case scenario every day. And your worst case scenario is that guy that puts you on your back, and you cannot get on top of that guy. That's your worst case scenario. If you get on top of a dude, that's not the worst guy. That's not your worst case scenario. You're on top. That's not your worst case scenario. Your worst case scenario is a guy you cannot get on top of. His wrestling's too damn good for you. There's a lot of guys out there like that. You gotta prepare for that guy every day. Not just when you sign the fight and you got two months to prepare for this guy, he wrestled in the Olympics. And you're like, you know, you're not going to get on top of this guy. the odds are, if you're relying on getting on top of this guy, this guy wrestled in the Olympics or whatever, and he's been boxing since he was 16 Damn, you got to fight. He's probably going to either one or two things. Your worst case scenario is one of two things, a guy that takes you down at will and there's nothing you could do about it. Or a guy that's beating you up standing, and you can't take him down with wrestling. Mm-hmm. Those are the two worst case scenarios. If you look at all the guys that get cut in the UFC, all the guys, and I, like I said, I worked in the UFC for eight years, and any any time there was a new crop of ultimate fighters. You know, there's like a new, I don't know what a 16 new guys. And they're hanging out in the UFC for a little bit. A few, a few of them get fired, some of them didn't get fights at lower level. And then, but the one thing that was for sure, most of them aren't going to last. It's, it's in, it's easier to get in the UFC than to survive in the UFC. You know, it's easier to get signed in the UFC than to survive the prelims and make it on a main card. Damn, it's hard for you're a hundred and forty five pounder, hundred and fifty five pounds. You're trying to get on the main card. You know how many? You know how many wins you got to string together? You know how dominant you got to be before Dana puts you on the main card? That's harder than getting signed to the UFC. You know what I mean? I know a lot of guys get signed to the UFC just because oh they, they were fighting in some local show, they need a last minute guy, and boom, they call him up, they get in. It's 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 uh you know um that's a lot easier than fighting your way to the main card you know it's like um and most people get cut they're gonna get cut so i've talked to a lot of guys i'm like damn this probably got this guy's probably gonna end up getting cut he's backstage at the ufc now they got a fight here and there but eventually he's gonna get cut eventually it's like uh it's like getting signed uh, to a major label it's easier to get signed to a major label than to last 10 years on a major label you know everyone gets dropped you know, like 99% of bands get dropped, you know, from major labels. So, um, and then when you look at why the, the, you look at the the last fight that, you know, anybody that you, you could pick any fighter that used to be in the UFC and then he's no longer in the UFC. You look at the last fight he was in the UFC and, and you look at the reason why he was cut. It th- it's generally the same thing. It's generally the same thing. A guy was beating his ass standing. And he couldn't take him down or a guy kept taking his ass down and he couldn't stay on his feet. That's generally the last fight of everybody Mm -hmm. that got cut. You know, that's that's, they finally met their match. They finally met their personal worst case scenario. A guy that takes them down a wheel and they can't stop it. Or a guy that's beating them up on their feet and they can't take him down. That's it. This is like, that's basically it. Um, So, You have to prepare for that guy. And he's out there. You're going to meet him eventually. You got to prepare for that guy every day. Not just when the fight card is signed. Two months ain't enough to prepare for your worst case scenario. You got to prepare for his ass every fucking day. Every day you got to prepare for that dude. And um, the one thing that gives you a chance, you know, usually most fighters have two ways to win. They have two ways to win. They could win standing or they could win by takedowns. That's it. Either they're going to win standing Or they're going to win by taking a dude down. There's two ways, but they have three ways, three ways. There's only a few fighters that have three ways. A fighter that could win on his back, a fighter that could have that that third option. Yes. If you could beat him standing with strikes, beat him standing. Don't try to take him down. If you could beat him standing with strikes, do not take him down. Beat his ass standing. But if he's a better striker, take his ass down. He's beating you on your feet. You take his ass down. Basic shit, right? I mean, everybody knows that, right? But what happens if you can't beat him standing and you can't take him down? Damn, you got to have some imanaris, you know what I mean? You got to have some unorthodox takedowns. You got to have some different ass ways to get dragged that fight to the ground. And when you do, and if you're able to drag him down with this unorthodox, because you're wrestling, we already established. He's beating you on your feet and you can't take him down with traditional wrestling. You got to mm-hmm. get unorthodox with that shit. How are you going to take it? You got to get Ryan Hall with a motherfucker. You know what I mean? You got you, you to gotta throw some crazy shit. And um, it's proven. Imanaris are proven. They don't work all the time, but but they're proven. There's a lot of fights where a guy couldn't take the guy down with regular wrestling, but he he, he caught him with an MRI, dragged him down, and then leg locked him. You got to have that third option. And whether you take him down in an or, unorthodox fashion to get a leg lock, or you take him down in an unorthodox fashion and get some kind of guard submission. Like you finish him off your back either way, either way, that's the third way to win the third option, not the first option. You don't want to go out there and try to do that right away. Try to see what you can do standing. See if you could just take his ass down. If you could do one of those two things successfully, then forget about the third option. But if you can't take him down and he's beating you on your feet, Oh man, what are you going to do? You got to have that third option. You got to train that shit. You got to, that thing will save your ass. doesn't work all the time, but at least you have a chance. You know what I'm saying? At least you have a chance. Well, brother. Does that make sense? I
2: I think everything you just said is correct. And I think also there's nobody I can't take down. There is nobody that can hold me down. And there's nobody I can't submit off my back. There you go. That is a, that is a philosophy.
0: And That's I a beautiful that. thing. That's the third option. Submitting someone off your back is the third option. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's a beautiful and, and thing.
2: And I, I, I possess all of those. Hell I, yeah, I possess all those. I'm not perfect. Right. I make mistakes, but brother, I get you. You open up on me, and I get up in them hips. I'm taking you down. If you think you're going to hold me down, when life knocks me down, I get an underhook and I get the fuck up. You're not gonna hold me down. And if you think that I can't fight off my back, you're delusional. Uh-huh. I, I that's why I think I'm gonna be the champ. Because what what you just said, all the all the worst case scenarios
0: You got I it handled. To,
2: yeah, I, I'm preaching to the club. Yeah. I prepared for those and um and and you know a lot of and and a lot of what I do, like I said, got it from you, got it from people over the years. Um, but I you know, and and I'm you know I'm I'm just always trying to learn. Any anybody that can teach me something, I'm looking to learn. And uh really you've you've shown a lot of stuff that help in all three of those areas.
0: You know what I mean? Do you know my name? This episode of Look Into It is brought to you by chowmeals.com. If you're like me and are too busy to cook high-quality meals but want to live a healthy lifestyle, the answer is ChowMeals.com. They make great-tasting and highly nutritious meals delivered right to your door anywhere in the lower 48 United States of America. Go to ChowMeals.com today and put in the promo code BRAVO. That's promo code BRAVO for 10% off everything. Thank you
2: and enjoy. Especially in the area of the uh, not getting held down and the area of... Fighting off the back in those two areas in particular, you have shown me well more than you know, really.
0: Man, I'm 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 honored, man. I uh, you're mine. you're one of my favorite all time MMA fighters of all time, man. You know <laughs> right. you're coming, well, you're coming with something some... because
2: there's a Nick Diaz oh. and a Nate Diaz out there. That's some of my favorites. Um, I like uh, I like Anderson Silva too. Chuck Liddell, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many greats out there. I mean, and I don't watch other sports, so, I, so to me, like, all the athletes I know were MMA fighters, you know what I mean? And Yeah. Um, so that's awesome.
0: James, you got any questions? Yeah. This
1: guy's tenacity and story so reminds me of me. <laughs> he was just going to do it no matter what. <laughs> and that reminds me of me.
2: <laughs> well, we got, got any questions? in common, brother. And I, you got I like
1: any, you got any Arkansas garden. questions? Why did you go out of Little Rock?
2: So, um, so I grew up in Cabot, and that's just about 30 minutes north of Little Rock. Um, and I started training in a gym in Cabot. My first MMA gym, well, shoot, my first training was karate when I was like six, I think. And I did that for four years. And then after that, I just rough housed in the backyard. I would do uh, just training. Like, I had cauliflower ear when I was a kid, and I didn't know what it was. We were just wrestling in the backyard. Nobody told me what it was, and I also didn't know any submissions except for a guillotine and a rear naked choke. And that's because your first instinct when going against somebody of mine was to grab their neck and squeeze, you know? And so yeah. that's what me and my buddies would do to each other. So I got a guillotine and a rear naked choke defense pretty good because that's all my buddies would do to me. And then – uh, I started doing MMA and um, wrestling and jujitsu, really mixing it all together. And I started going to this. When I started doing MMA, I went to this gym. This man, this crackhead, was running it, brother. And uh, it was the kind of a shit show of a school. And um, you know that was my first experience. And uh, some of these guys, they was on some amphetamines and they was on some steroids. And these was my training partners, you know what I mean? And that was my first MMA true experience. And I remember uh walking into the gym and my buddy got knocked out with this head kick and I had to spar the guy next. And we're talking big old steroided up dude, you know. Yeah. And uh I didn't I didn't win the round by any means, but I survived and then uh you know that that was the dark ages as far as I'm concerned when I look back at. You know how I train now compared to what I used to do when I was, yeah. you know, younger, uh, didn't know no better. And, uh, you know, my buddies getting knocked out in practice and training with the juice heads and the, you know, <laughs> they're all jacked up on shit. And, yeah. um, but then I started training in a gym named Ka- in Cabot and it moved up to Cersei. Then that gym fell apart and I really, really started training a little rock.
0: Now, now, um, changing gears a little bit here, or a lot. <laughs> uh, one of the things uh, I admire about you even more than your mastery of the twister is your courage to stand up and um, address uh, the state of the world. You know, I, I can, I consider you a red pill. Uh, I mean, uh, it red pill to me means that, uh, you're awake to the bullshit and, uh, you could see right through all the bullshit. And, um, at least two or three different times you got on the mic on the world stage after a UFC fight and uh, you, uh, you laid it on the line, man. You, you, uh, a a lot of people feel the same way. They're just, um, a little worried about, uh, being, you know, getting on the, getting on the stage world stage and expressing how they really feel about, you know, like the absurdity of the Biden administration and how, uh, the country is being torn apart. You know, um, when did you first, what was, when did you first, um, start becoming, you know, some people call it a conspiracy theorist, you know what I mean? Some people will call you like, uh, some right-wing conspiracy theorist or whatever, but I don't care. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Um, uh, what was it for you? Like, uh, uh everyone's got a different point, like, you know, not nine 11, you know, some people say nine 11 is what woke them up. Um, you know, some people, uh, say, uh, you know, this Corona scam woke them up. When did you yeah. wake up?
2: Brother, I remember where I was, you know, and I remember my heart dropped. I mean, it was just like, you know, that feeling when you go up, uh, like either up on a hill and then you drive down the hill real quick or you go up on a roller coaster and then you go down the roller coaster real quick Yeah, and you feel that moment of like weightness, weightlessness. And then you just like, that's, I literally felt that one day I was thinking about, because um, it, it was 9-11 is what made me question everything. When I found out you know the manner in which World Trade Center seven fell, how it was uh, and then there's traces of thermate in the concrete, and I'm thinking and it, and it may and it at the time i just I never studied politics, I didn't know why would somebody fucking do that and then I was in the in the locker room in basketball, and I, we just had a workout, like a great workout. My mind was flowing, everybody else had left the locker room. And for whatever reason, 9-11 popped into my head. And I thought, why would our government do that to our people? Who in the fuck would do that? And I thought, wait a second, the oil. The oil, that's what they fucking want. And it was just like a light bulb went off in my head. And from that moment, I knew what the whole source of all this was. It was greed. They're profiting off of this shit that they're doing. And, And it made sense to me from that very moment on. And before that moment, and I was 16 when that happened. And and then from that moment on, of course, I'm like, okay, we there ain't no way we went to the moon. You know, the same people that are stealing oil overseas and killing our our kids for fucking oil, they're the ones telling me we went to the moon. And you think I fucking believe that, you know? And it's just like every, but I remember where I was, brother. You know, and it was it was, a, it was a, a, a changing point at which I started questioning everything when I was 16
0: so did you get all you know you go down rabbit holes on youtube and and uh were you like obsessed with it on your free time
2: that's right you know I, w- I was always wanting to look up um stuff that they had done and um and then now it's just you don't have to look very hard you can just go outside and see people in a fucking mask and you know <laughs> you can kind of put two and two together they're trying to take our freedoms you know Uh, but yeah, you know, I used to do all the, the research and say, oh yeah, well look at this, you know, project paperclip where they brought the Nazis over, um, you know, just shit like that, you know, all the way back to the USS Maine, it was probably a false flags operation, potentially, you know, um, you, know, just all sorts of stuff. I, I really like looking into, now do I put enough time into it? No, but, Um, I do. I do have my beliefs from what research I've done, and it's really, uh, you know, I don't see nobody beating me in a debate, you know what I mean, about some of the stuff I believe, because I've just done enough research to be confident.
0: What, did you ever get into chemtrails?
2: I did a little bit, and, uh, you know, I don't really think that anything good could be coming out of those uh, engines, so... (laughs) If I'll err on the side of it's not good for the environment. I don't know how bad of stuff they're putting in there, but, you know, uh, probably not good stuff. I know. I mean, think about this. They go around and spray mosquito shit um, to kill mosquitoes. If you breed that shit in, it'll kill you. Um, They spray. um, What's it? Gramoxin on all our soybeans. You get that shit in a cut and you're dead. It goes on all the soybeans grown here in Arkansas, which is a huge supply for the world's demand you know and they get that gramoxyl you get a drop on you you're fucking dead you know they put that in our food it's not absurd to me to think that there's some harmful chemicals in the air you know
0: when uh when they first announced uh the nationwide lockdowns in march of 2020 what were you thinking did you did you uh believe that that it, it was real at first or were you like right oh, away
2: brother Brother, no, I remember where I was on that too. I was sitting in my girlfriend's, my ex-girlfriend's tattoo shop. I was sitting with their kids. We were playing video games, and she come in the door and she said, "Hey, they just shut down all businesses." And uh, you know, I was hanging out with the kids, just having fun, and uh, I remember thinking, "These fucking Nazis, they're coming. They're, these Nazis are fucking coming." You
0: right know? away, you knew. Right away,
2: brother. Brother, beyond knew. I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know what it was. And when exactly. that happened, I said. I, I said, this is what these fucking Nazis have been planning." I knew something big was coming. I didn't know when. And I said, damn it. Uh, they, they fucking got us. They're coming for the freedoms. They shut down the businesses. Brother, not for a second that I believe. Um, well, I'm not going to say I, The corona, I do believe it's a deadly virus. But day one, I believe government created it. Day one. Still still believe that uh, government created it. It is, you know, I believe that it it kills people. I also believe the cure is ivermectin. Um, you know, and they don't want to sell ivermectin. They used to sell it in CVS. CVS stopped selling ivermectin because it actually fucking works. You know, um, it's all bullshit. They want your money. They're trying to kill us. You know,
0: how, how was, uh, Arkansas as far in, in your area, as far as uh, the lockdown? Cause I know some States, they like South Dakota and they virtually ignored it. You know, um, was everyone wearing masks around uh, your cities?
2: Man. It's a shame, man. It's a real shame to say. But, yeah, our governor's a pussy. He, uh, he implemented these lockdowns. He took our people's freedoms. And here's the worst thing about it. Here's the he he, he had an opportunity to shine, to be a light in the darkness, to, to let freedom ring and to show these motherfuckers that this is a land of freedom. And what did he do? He succumbed to the to the temptation of being a coward and taking our businesses. And I don't like how he reacted. And I'm extremely mad about, I I took it extremely personal for him to tell my girlfriend that she had to shut a shop down for my, uh, uh, gym, my gym, the people that I go to the gym with now, the gym shut down, you know, for the restaurants I like to go eat. Oh no, my buddies, they're making half their money in tips now or, or less, uh, really, some of them not at all for a couple months, wasn't making no money. I mean, it was ridiculous. And uh, he should have never done that. I have no respect for that man at all. I think he's sold out. His law firm represents all these damn Chinese businesses that uh, he brings to the state. You see what I'm saying? There's a conflict of interest with what he's doing. I don't like him. I don't like those policies. It's
0: What's his name?
2: Asa Hutchinson. He's got a conflict of interest with his the Chinese businesses he represents that he comes over here and they they get tax breaks and all this stuff. I don't trust it. I don't trust it for a second. And that's my honest to God thoughts on the politics.
0: Is he Republican uh, or Democrat?
2: He's he's, he acts like a Republican.
0: He's Dem. Wait, wait, he, he acts like a Republican, but he's, he's officially a Democrat.
2: He's he claims to be a Republican, but he he ain't.
0: (laughs) Okay. He's a rhino. He's a rhino.
2: Yeah and and I don't you know and I I don't really like the two party system at all. I think it's divisive in nature anyways and the reason being is because it it gets it to where you know you have two choices and they control both of them. And but yeah he's I so I don't really judge people by their party. I really don't. Uh Is uh, uh, I, is
0: there is there someone that's running against him any is he when is he up for another re- election? Are you uh Going to campaign against them? Is there is there someone who Oh,
2: I won't have to. That's the good news. And, uh but everyone hates he is him. up for re-election and people are so damn tired of him. Uh he's he ain't gonna win no re-election. Guarantee you that, unless they rig it like they did for Biden. Um, but I don't think he's eligible for re-election, thank God, because <laughs> they probably would rig it. You know, he's I, I don't trust a man. I really don't. You're gonna shut down our businesses. Who the fuck are you to tell? people they can't go to perform their profession at their own risk you know what i mean um i don't know man it's just it's it's messed up to me and and that's just what i I I bet you barely wore the
0: mask out there right you were barely wearing masks the whole time or or uh like did they require it like uh, um like to enter enter stores and stuff like that Uh, initially they did right but it didn't it didn't last that long did it in arkansas i would I well, figure people the, weren't wearing masks there.
2: Well, the only store that was open was the Walmart. And so, and um, like at the gas station, I wouldn't wear it. I'd just go to a different gas station. But the Walmart, I needed to go to. So the dudes would have you would have you walk. They would have checkout guys in yellow vests, and they're making sure you got your mask on. And so I would take a deep breath. I refused to breathe in that motherfucker. You know what I mean? I yeah, would take yeah. a deep breath, and I'd... I put that mask on my face I walked by just looking normal as soon as I got by and I put that mask in my back pocket and I'm like okay these motherfuckers aren't going to throw me out of the store you know what I mean if I oh, just so, sneak through the door I'm good <laughs> and that's, and oh, I so you would take on. it off
0: you would just take it off once you got right, in
2: but, no I, I I yeah I didn't shop Oh you'd wear it around that. your
0: chin you'd wear it around your chin out here man that dude there's some mass nazis out here so the the most I can do the most gangster thing I could do is just you have your nose sticking out, you know, I'm breathing through my nose. I'm not yeah. breathing through my mouth, but you feel yeah. like, uh, you know, like a rebel, like a savage, yeah. you got you walking around I, with the nose sticking out.
2: <laughs> brother. I, I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I had me and my buddy is his, we're cousins. His name's AJ. And we're walking, we're walking through that Walmart. And, you know, I did my technique and I was kind of shown in my ways, you know, and i, and I walked through the door and I remember ripping that mask off. And, man, I just felt like the baddest motherfucker ever. Just walking around that Walmart. Everybody's got on muzzles. I'm walking around. My face is showing. I'm just, I'm smiling. I'm talking. And I just felt, it felt amazing. And I was sitting there talking with AJ. And uh, we're walking. We go all the way back to electronics. We go from the ammo to electronics to the grocery. So we kind of did a little u- uh, a loop. And I remember we are sitting there talking with AJ. We are only two people we can see without masks on. And we're just sitting there talking, and uh, we walked by another person on the electro- by the electronics. They had a mask off. So now there's three people in the store without a mask off, and we're just talking about man, isn't it piss poor? All these people are wearing this mask, and uh, and I said to AJ, look around, brother. When the commies come, the people with masks those are the ones that don't hold the line. Yeah. I said, I said, look around, brother. This is who we're holding the line with. We've only seen me, him, and one other person in that store. You see what I'm saying? And that was my mentality about it, is is they are trying to take our freedoms. That mask is fucking useless. Any type of virus goes straight through it. Just like when you fart, it goes through your pants, okay? When you breathe, the vapor goes through the mask, you know? And, And that's just... Facts for you, and and the, the masks don't do nothing. It's a psychological breakdown. The government is trying to get you used to being fucked, and it, before any fight starts, you always have a psychological fight. That's why I love a face off, because in the face off, the fight actually has definitely started. If it ain't already, you get to look at them right in their face, and the government, if they take away your ability to show your face and show your identity, and feel free in a fucking Walmart. They have psychologically got you where they will financially fuck you next, you see? And I refuse to, to do that. Now, on a plane, it's real hard. What you got to do on a plane is you got to wear it on the way in, okay, and then do the old nose-down technique. And like you said, there's some people that are going to tell you, oh, over the nose, you know, and it's hard to get by them, okay? I just pull the mask about an inch off my face and walk right with it being pinched like that and just pull, stretch it out. You know, and that's how I get around that. But uh, you get on the plane, you get you a bag of chips. And then as soon as that plane takes off, take that fucking mask off, eat your chips and eat them slow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, I don't fuck around on planes, man. Um, That's right. Because they put you on a no-fly zone. So when it comes to walking around in the supermarket, I got my nose hanging out and I'm fucking... Dude, I'm pissed. Dude, when I go to supermarkets and everyone got masks on, I'm fucking pissed. Now now if you got if you're sick or, you know, you have, you know, heart condition, yeah, wear a mask. I you know, if you got cancer or something, yeah, if you if you're not a, if your immune system is compromised in any way, I get it, wear a mask. But if you're a healthy person and you're still wearing you it just pisses me off, man, that that we're we're um, you know, it's a new world order, man. Emerging. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. This is how they do it, man. This is how they yeah. do it. They use scam demics, you know, yeah, to, that's right. to take away our freedoms and all they want is control, man. They don't care about our health. You think they care about our health? They care. At first, it, at first, when, um, all this shit was going down, we thought this shit was real and it was going to take every everybody out. Nobody uh-huh. was immune to it. We were seeing all these videos, uh, coming from China, you know, people dropping on the streets and, you know, dudes with hazmat suits, you know, covering them up with a a white sheet, throwing them in in trucks. And, you know, everyone's like, Oh shit. They closed everything down. Everybody thought Oh shit. And then when the initial data came in, we're like, you know, it's, it's the average age of people dying is 81. Just so happens to be the same number as the flu. And like, wait a minute. And where did the flu go? You know, people were saying that was, some people saying all they did is rebrand the flu. And you're like, wait a minute, there's been the flu the whole goddamn time. And then yeah, they I find start. out that the average age is 80, 81. So then it goes from anybody could get it to average age 81. And people were like, what the fuck with that data? And then they turned it around and said, what, you don't care about old people. What about your grandma? What about your aunt? You, you don't care about old people. You're so selfish. You know, like wait a minute. It was everybody at first. And then now it's just old people. Now we don't care about old people. You know, like like the government really cares about old people so much that they're going to ruin the economy. They don't give a fuck about old people. They never gave a fuck about old people. But now they care about old people so much that they're willing to destroy the world economy. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about health. If this was about our health, they would have easily just shut down all fast food. They would have shut down everything like right away <laughs> it's so easy to shut shit down all the government the governor just gets on tv and says we're shutting this down we're shutting that down indoor it's going to be like that you know it's real easy and then everyone just goes along with it it's real easy they could easily just said make these are the list of of fast food chains that were closed no there's, there's, jack there's, in the box carl's jr Hardee's whataburger all that shit they could have closed that shit down immediately but they never did they left taco bell open they left <laughs> Del taco like the worst shit ever and the, and the, and then you initially when they first i mean they closed beaches and shit in the beginning in supermarkets, they would have like yellow tape closing off like certain shit, but they didn't close off the goddamn cereal aisle. It's all sugar. The goddamn junk food aisle, they didn't close that shit off. How yeah. come they didn't make cigarettes illegal? They care about our health so goddamn much that they're gonna destroy our economy, but they're not shutting down fast food and, 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 uh, and, a junk food in general. Come on, man, this is all bullshit. Damn straight. Right, and then check this out. If it was real, if they, to me, to me, I you know they want people arguing between did it come from a bat or did it come from some evil scientist like a bioweapon. It's none of those. They want because. It, it, they don't give a shit if they, if people think it came from a bio lab, they love that shit because if people think it was created by the government or it came from a bio lab, then we would, it would still, you would still need the vaccine. You are like, fuck man, some goddamn evil scientists. Let's fucking throw them in jail in Guantanamo Bay. They'll throw anybody, they'll throw anybody under the bus because it's still going to make the vaccine important. Right. If, if it was like some, leak from a lab, you would still want the vaccine. So they don't give a shit if you're arguing between a bat or an evil scientist, when in, in fact it, in my opinion, but it's a fact in my head, all they did is change the name. The, they went. They used the flu and they changed the name. And they, they did change yeah. it at first. They didn't even change it at first. They called it the coronavirus. They're like, oh, shit. And most people thought coronavirus was a new virus. Oh, shit. Did you hear about the coronavirus? You got the Rona? Oh, shit. You got the Rona? Coronavirus. But people that, you know, a small percentage of people were like, wait a minute. The flu is coronavirus. And then to those people, you go, oh, but it's a novel coronavirus. It's a, it's a new one. And like, oh, okay. Because coronavirus is the flu and the tests have always been flu tests the pcr test that's a flu test that's an influenza test it's a coronavirus test so people were like "And the coronavirus test oh my god i need the stuff the coronavirus test that's the flu test flu disappears no death. no flu deaths in 2020 2021 flu this disappears coincidentally isn't that weird and yeah, that's And then once they got yeah. everybody on the coronavirus test, the flu test, then they slowly started calling it COVID, COVID-19. It wasn't called COVID-19 in the beginning. It was called coronavirus in the beginning, which is the flu. Coronavirus, goddamn flu. That's how they fooled everybody. Then they got everybody on the test. They distribute the test worldwide. And then slowly, you know, they they started calling it COVID-19. Oh, it's COVID now. Then they stopped calling it Corona. They do not even call it Corona no more. They call it COVID now. But they still use the same goddamn flu test. Flu Mm. test. It's the same goddamn test. If this shit was real, why did they manipulate all the numbers? Why did they people die of a car wreck? Oh he got he got a coronavirus, yeah, Corona, they're getting paid. The hospitals are the hospitals are being exposed too. They're crooked. as fuck. They're getting paid like yeah. what? I don't know thir- some people say 39, thousand dollars per corona death. You don't think they're putting down corona death like put For corona dead case. dog. Put Corona dead dog. you know? Yeah. It's a scam. If that was some real shit, they wouldn't have to do all this manipulation of the data. They wouldn't have yeah, to. They don't
2: bought the hospital systems out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what? yeah. And all these people in medicine, they're in their own little cult. And if you go into their office without a mask, they act like you're putting them in danger. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It's in their best interest that this shit is real. You know, if this was real, if this was some, re- like it, let's just say, let's just say some, uh, evil scientists actually leaked this shit. And that's what it was. And the government, how come nobody died in jujitsu? If this shit was real, ev- if this shit was real, I would have it, no gi jujitsu is the opposite of social distancing, squeezing and clinching and sweating and switching new guy. You don't know where these guys been all day. He's clinching and squeezing. and Nobody died in jujitsu. I got no Corona deaths in yeah. 150 schools. I got no if yeah. this shit was real, if a scientist leaked it or it came from a fucking bat or some shit, either bat or how come nobody died in jujitsu? Every school, if this was real. If it was a legit thing, every one of my schools would have at least 10, 15, 20, 25 people dead. We would be losing people all the goddamn time.
2: We were training all the way through.
0: We were training all the way through. Nobody died. Nobody died. Nobody died in the NFL. No one died in the NBA. No one died in baseball. No one died. Nobody died. If this was real, it's the flu. You know why no one died? Because nobody dies of the flu that's healthy. General, if you're healthy, you're not dying of the flu. People that have, and then it turns out, you start getting this data, well, it turns out that like 95% of the people that died had at least four comorbidities. They had diabetes, they had cancer, they had, They were fucked up already. And average age 81, huh, that's a coincidence that, that it's the same numbers as the flu. That's the same, people die of the flu. People that are fucked up and already sick, they die of the flu. Everybody knows that. You learned that in the second grade, that if you have cancer or if you have diabetes and you're on your last legs, the flu is going to take you out. But no one puts the flu on the death certificate. They put diabetes or, or they have cancer. It's like, oh, he died of the flu. Everybody knows the flu took him out because their immune system couldn't fight it. But no one says they died of the flu. The flu took him out, but they died of cancer. Right. That's the difference same thing flu got a new name now, COVID. But now when someone with a bunch of comorbidities dies now, instead of, uh, uh, uh blaming diabetes or cancer, they're yeah. putting COVID. So they get paid. Yeah. It's a racket. It's a racket.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a racket. And, um, man, I can't, I took a head of right before I got on the show. I took, are you edible. high as fuck? And, <laughs> and on an I'm feeling pretty good, but I,
0: Oh, you know you what? You know what? Fun. I'm going to, uh, I, I generally don't uh, like to smoke weed before podcasts anymore. I used to all the time. <laughs> what? All the time, but I'm going to do it now. I'm, I like to, you know, I got shit I got to talk about, do but I'm going to do, do it now name, just because you brother. told me you were on Edible.
2: Hey, uh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, we'll be on the same frequency right there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, here's another thing since we're talking about deaths. Uh, this is something that I firmly agree that vaccine is killing people. That vaccine's killing more people than that Corona did. I firmly believe it. And then they're blaming it and they're saying, oh, the vaccine didn't kill him. Corona killed him. Well, how the fuck did he get the Corona if he had three boosters? You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I, I believe that vaccine's no good, brother. I believe
0: I'm with that the rate of
2: miscarriages has gone up tremendously, I believe.
0: Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I mean, I one of my students just told me a couple, you know, I've had a couple students have myocarditis, you know, inflammation of the heart after the jab, you know? Uh, oh,
2: that's scary yeah. stuff, man. I, I oh yeah.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, there's no way I'm taking that shit. <laughs> <There's> no, like, <sighs> I mean, uh, it's, it's, um, it's pretty mind boggling that, uh, uh, they convinced you know so many people to take that's like they really care about us. They care about us so much. The crazy thing is it takes ten years generally to come up with a vaccine, and uh, it was a miracle that they came up with one in like a nine months or something. It was a miracle. But four companies had there was four miracles. Four miracles. Yeah, how's that possible? One miracle. That four miracles can you imagine if if you know when jesus is walking on water and shit you know you're like oh shit miracle and like nah there's three other dudes on the other side they're they're walking on water too you know what i mean like, wait a minute like what, what's going on here That was four miracles he came up with four vaccines i thought it took 10 years <laughs> it's yeah insane it, it
2: was all it was all planned and and then you look at not only did they plan what was going to happen as far as the deaths from the corona, the deaths, because I do believe that they altered the flu virus. But I, I believe that they did put out a, a more dangerous version of the flu, you know, and and that they kind of rigged it up a little bit. But they, not only that, and then the the vaccine was planned, I believe that the whole stock market exchange, you look at all them politicians that got rich from trading their stocks out. I mean, it's fucking insider traitor city <laughs> in Washington, D.C., you know?
0: Yeah, number corruption, man. The, the whole thing with, like, Ukraine, uh, people that pay attention to uh, politics and, and all the shady shit that's going on, Ukraine is nothing new. I mean, for the last four or five years, you know, the whole thing with, um, you know, they tried to impeach Trump because of that phone call he had with Zelensky. Uh, um, You know, it was about Ukraine and it was about, you know, the left made it look like made it look like Trump was telling uh, the president of Ukraine to to find some dirt on Biden and let's try to dig some dirt up. So but in reality, he was just asking him to investigate what the fuck he was talking about, what he was saying on video. At the Council on Foreign Relations, he's sitting on a chair, he's on stage at the CFR, which is, you know, basically, uh, you know, um, the Illuminati, you know, Council on Foreign uh, Relationships, uh, Trilateral Commission, Bilderberg Group, all that shit. He's on stage talking, bragging about how he was going to not send the billion dollars in aid to Ukraine unless... Uh, Zelensky fired the prosecutor that was going after that energy company Burisma that Hunter Biden was on the board of, you know, so he's bragging about how he he. And so, I mean, he's basically admitting corruption. You know, they said, yeah, he, he's and, bragging and about it. it's on video. No,
2: well, there's no punishment. So they get to brag about it. You know, there's no I believe that there will be eventually you can. this non-sustainable, the path that it's on. It is yeah. non-sustainable to keep taxing us, keep inflating the dollar, and expect there to not be some type of um, revolution, uh, change. Um, you, you know, it's it, like I said, it's non-sustainable. It cannot go on forever. This Ponzi scheme is going to fucking come to an end.
0: You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's either it's either the we're in the middle of the Great Reset or we're in the middle of the Great Awakening. You know, uh, a lot of people are awakening, uh, but man, the great reset keeps marching on and it's like, it's a race uh, to see who's gonna hit that finish line first. Is it, uh, are we gonna, I mean, there's a lot of good things happening. From all this, uh, from from the scam it exposed a lot of shit. You know, most people didn't know what was going on in the schools, and most people weren't involved in their their kids' school board. That now they are more than ever. Uh, most people didn't uh, realize how important the mayor was. Now everyone's like, "Hey, who's our mayor? Let's make sure we get a a legit yeah. mayor in there, and a legit yeah. governor, a legit yep. attorney general." Uh, um, district attorney all that shit so everything's being exposed look at the corporations are being exposed everybody who's going along with the bullshit they're sure. all being exposed so there's a lot of good things that are that are happening from the scamdemic yeah. it's it's like it was necessary otherwise i mean look what's going on with disney and all this shit it's 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 uh a lot of good things are happening you know uh so it's i mean yeah. You know, ho- hopefully we look back and all this was a blessing in disguise because uh, you know voter id yeah. laws are changing and now we're keeping an eye on the election process more than ever before there's all these new uh um common sense voting laws that are being passed and So it seems like a lot of good things are happening. But then at the same time, you know, there's still like, you know, when you look at Vanguard and, and uh, what is it? Black water or black rock that's buying everything. up. I mean, what the fuck is going on?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, these evil people, they think that they've won because they're winning and they'll spend their whole life winning, so to say, but they don't believe in an afterlife, you know. They, I, I think that's the problem is that the, the greed corrupts them and they're so worried about this life that they'll fucking destroy everything here in their pursuit of living what they think is their only life. And that's the root all of that is, is just, uh, and that's my opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a conscience and think that you're going to be in a, an eternal kingdom with, with thy neighbor and treat them like some of these people fucking treat us. You know, it's, it's pathetic what these leaders are doing. You know, they don't, I, I don't think that they believe in, um, <laughs> you know, that I don't think that they're godly. I don't think a lot of them are, and they don't believe in the next, the life. You know, they're more worried about partying in this life and, and, and suppressing us so they can stay wealthy. So now, So true. Turn-
0: James, what were you saying, James?
1: I was saying, so true, so true.
0: Uh, James and I, when we were making music, speed metal and and rap metal and all that stuff, uh, we were basically writing songs about, um, you know, we were writing atheistic songs. Like we were bashing religion and bashing God. Uh, Man, we wrote so many anti-God atheistic songs. But when James got diagnosed with cancer, um, and you know, he went through all that hell and when he came out of it, he came out of it, you know, fully, uh, fully, uh, a son of God. And, uh, you know, and I- I'll be honest with you. Um, I was, you know, ha- happier than anybody that he made it and he beat the cancer, but deep down, I was like, man, now he's into god and jesus now like oh and i remember kind of being a little disappointed but over the years and you know it's been uh 20 20 some years now um It seems like the deeper you go down rabbit holes, conspiracy theory, rabbit holes, the deeper you go, the closer you get to God. It seems like God is at the end of these rabbit holes. So um, I believe in God. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on with God. I don't know, you know. I don't read the Bible, you know, um, eventually I, I'm sure I will. I, uh, but I do believe that there is an afterlife. I do believe that, um, uh, you got to do the right thing while you're in this dimension, whatever this dimension is. I do believe that. So, um, James, James, uh-huh. can you take us through, like, how do you go? How do, how do you take us through the process? You're battling cancer. You're in a coma. You wake up, you make it and you find God like take us through that.
1: Yeah, because I was you know, when I was deep down in the coma, I was like, is it really what they say it is or is it another truth, a higher truth? So when I got out the hospital, I was sitting at home and I was listening to an old country preacher from Oklahoma. And he went through Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible, just going through it and saying, this is this and that is that. And I was like, wait a minute. He's telling the truth about this. And he's saying, oh, and this part of it goes happened in Turkey. And this part happened in Rome. And I was like, wait a minute. He's making it more real than it's ever been real. He's like talking the truth. And he was like, you know what? Being a good person is fine, but if people don't see that you've changed and see the truth in your life that you've changed, then they're not seeing anything but a kind of a front. So I had become a new person, and people just look at me and go, hmm, something about James is different. So people see that James has changed a little bit. So I guess that something truth has come to James, and he's changed his life. On based on what he went through, he, it's something, he had to lose something in order to gain something. So I felt like I gained my life by losing all the things that, oh, I need this. I need this. I need a shiny new this. I needed this. And then I start listening to what the guy was saying about the Bible. And he was saying, OK, let's make it pretty simple. How about you love your neighbor as much as you love Yourself. I was like, wait a minute. Is that simple? He said, yes, start there. That's it. Don't look at his skin color. Don't look at his wallet and wonder why your wallet is not like his water. No, just love the guy. Love the woman. Don't say, oh, look, they're this race and I'm this race. Well, what does that got to do with, that has nothing to do with God. You're a spirit in a body that has a soul. It's that simple. Drop the flesh part of everything. See people for who they are. He just broke everything down simple.
0: Now, now, simple. now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you found God while you were still in the hospital, like when you because re- I just stayed
1: still, and you know, and all the things going on around me weren't cluttering me up. Because if I was to tell someone right now, they say, oh, I want to I want to go through the Bible, but I don't have time. I'll say you're right. Go on the Internet and download someone talking about the Bible, going through the Bible. Because, I mean, the Bible is, you know, it's Arabic. It's Hebrew. It's Greek. Nobody has time to do all that. Find someone who a Bible teacher that has gone through and broke all that down. So, that you can just listen to obviously the English version for me, would be the English version slowly, you know, no rush. I mean, what's the rush on learning it? They said, just go through and just chill. Obviously, I'm on my back. I have nothing but time to listen. There's a lot, the Bible obviously is huge, and there's a lot. Why do I need to know about Noah and the ark? Oh, that's just about God is telling you to do something, you're going to do it or not, you're gonna to listen to all the people outside of the ark saying, we're not gonna do that. That's a simple version of Noah and the ark. They didn't do what God told them to do. Ark's gone, their family's alive, other people are gone. they in the flood, simple. Very simple version of everything. You know, drop the these and the thou's and go for the you and the me. Just make it very simple. You don't have to get cluttered in it. That's why I love to talk to people one-on-one and, okay, let's talk about this. But what about this? I go, okay, here's the simple version of that. And since I had nothing but time on my hand while I was in the hospital and when I was recovering, I was like, aha, this is the simple version of everything. Oh, look, there's rape in the Bible. He didn't say go rape, but there's rape in the Bible. Oh, look, there's some homosexuals in the Bible. He didn't say go do this or go kill the homosexual. He didn't say that. But there's some in there. So I'm like, what? There's rape in the Bible? There's this There's that in the Bible? I never knew that. Just listening to the guy calmly go through it. And I just like, huh? Hmm, I didn't know that. And I got rid of all that. Okay, Easter just passed. Wait a minute, Easter's a pagan word. What's that about? I got rid of all the trans- traditions that you know. Oh, well, this is that, and this is actually pagan thing put in the Bible. I got
0: rid of all those traditions. So wait a minute. So you don't uh, you don't acknowledge or celebrate Easter or Christmas? Uh, Resurrection
1: Day. Now, Christmas is obviously a great thing. Giving gifts to people because you like them. That's, that's awesome. Now, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of tradition put on, you know, Christmas. Oh, wrap your gifts, put a tree in your house. This and that. St. Saint Saint Nicholas was a great guy that gave gifts to people. That's great. But, I mean, you know, all the other, obviously spending money and all of that, that's not important just i break everything down to its simplest form easter pagan word oh it's passover okay we're going to call it resurrection day take away all the traditions i'm not against easter but i personally would call it passover or resurrection day at the church i go to oh it's resurrection day oh
0: okay yeah okay okay mm-hmm. all, right, all right
2: i've heard i've heard a lot of people uh uh, elaborate on that that thought of Easter. Yeah, Actually. being a, a pagan word. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. absolutely. Uh, know, nobody's going to die from the word Easter, but just keep it real. Call it Passover or whatever you want to call it. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to use a pagan word, that's fine. It's not going to hurt anyone. No one get, goes to hell for saying Easter. Just understand it's <laughs> the day that Jesus was
0: resurrected. Just understand that. Mm-hmm. Bryce, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you don't have faith in, um, or, or, or you don't believe that we landed on the moon in, in, and that's, in right. that's all fake. Right. So, so, you, you know, you mentioned operation paperclip, that's when, uh, the U S brought in Nazis from, uh, world war two yep. and formed CIA, formed NASA, yep. um, um, what do you what do you think uh, you you think we're on a ball shooting through space?
2: No, I don't.
0: What, what uh, do you think about all that?
2: I believe I can prove that the sun's smaller than Earth with geometry. Okay, but, uh, that's I'll definitely say that. I believe that the sun's smaller than Earth.
0: You don't you don't believe? I mean, the main mainstream science will say. That the sun is ninety three million miles away. You no, don't believe that,
2: right? No, it's a lot. Cl- it's a lot closer, and it's a lot smaller. And uh, I can tell you by the the angle of light that it projects, and how a lot of its angles of light hit hits the planet. I mean, I'd have to really draw it out technically, but yeah, I believe I have proof, geometric proof, that the sun's smaller than Earth because of the amount of light that actually hits the Earth's surface. Yeah. It's so much of its light is hitting the Earth's surface, and you can look at it. It's o—it's almost 170 degrees of the light, which let's say the sun is 360 degrees, almost 170 degrees of it. We can prove it's hitting the surface of the Earth. Well, if it travels in parallel rays, there has to be a small object close to Earth. It can't be no 93 million miles away for 170 degrees of its light to be hitting us.
1: Close your eyes and just... Am I moving? Am I spinning?
0: It's that easy. We're not. The earth is stationary. And that is scientific, not pseudoscience. The
2: earth is spinning at 1,040 miles an hour. You can't feel it. You can't measure it. You can't observe it. You can't repeat it. But trust trust us. People are just deceived. I mean, I grew up from kindergarten. I a globe. They gave them a globe of graduation
0: to take home like an inflatable baseball. So why are they teaching the globe model? Well, the globe is a container, and it's a container of all the known land. Known land. If there's more land... In the late 1800s, they were talking about more land
1: beyond Antarctica. The North Pole
2: is a biggie. Very glamorous destination.
0: What if we all took our compasses out and just followed them until it stopped? It is that far, oh my God. God. God.
2: Wake up. up. What if we can truly become free? They needed a new model because they wanted a new world order.
1: Open Open your eyes.
2: The physics of water is to find and maintain level. This is the year of Flat Earth. Level.
0: The, next level. the heliocentric theory is bullshit. Get ready for the next level. The next level. The next level. The truth cannot be stopped.
2: I can draw that out on a paper and it makes more sense to me saying it but um yeah that's what I believe in you know um
0: you think you think the of, earth is stationary or do you think it's spinning
2: um I believe it's stationary and the stars above rotate
0: okay okay and the so celestial you're, you're, bodies you're definitely on that that flat earth vibe right
2: right I do believe in tectonic plates
0: it's as, as far as what
2: like like tectonic plates like where one plate meets another plate and uh, they slide together. They make earthquakes They make mountain ranges or they separate and make oceans or whatever. But I do believe in tectonic plates. Uh, I mean, I don't really got it all figured out, but I don't believe that we're rotating around this thing around the sun. That's a million times our, our size. Um, it's a hundred thousand miles an hour rotating it a thousand miles an hour. and, you know I, I don't believe with the moon traveling around us while we're doing all that but it's not big enough to suck us into the sun it's like it don't make sense to me okay well if the sun is so strong why don't why don't the gravity suck us into the sun you know what I'm saying but they always have some bullshit answer and uh I don't believe none of that shit brother <laughs> and, uh, beautiful and but man. there's also it um I can't explain everything but what I can tell you is I have the geometry to prove that the sun's smaller than Earth, 170 degrees, maybe 150 at least, degrees of that that glowing object in the sun, 150 degrees of its light, hits this planet. And so if it was bigger than our planet, only a small degree, a fraction of a degree, If it's supposed to be 104 times our diameter. That means that there's no way, but anything but a sliver of a degree of a light from that object it hit our planet. If our planet would be too small, 150 fucking degrees plus of that that object, if that object's light is hitting our planet at any given time, so I just don't believe that it's uh, bigger than our planet or further away. Now, the reason that, and and like you said, the further you go down the rabbit holes, the more you get in touch with this reality that there's a god and that there's something evil. And when you really break it down, I believe that the the number one reason that they're trying to push NASA's push pushing this uh round earth circling earth is because they can they can push the agenda of a big bang everything came out of nothing we don't need a god you can just worship these nasa scientists and everything they got to say and they have the that you don't have access to and they have the math and the school degree you never get that you can't afford that you're not school- have and you have to take everything that they say for granted because they're NASA scientists. Well, I guarantee you this, I'll beat the fuck out of every one of NASA scientists. I I mean, you're going to tell me fighting doesn't have something to do with smarts. Like, come on, man. But th- those guys are all smarter than me and I have to believe everything they say. But if they come out in my yard, I can whoop all their ass. I don't know, man. I don't believe none of it. I believe it's a sham. And um, I believe that it is they're trying to further separate us from the idea of god and that this planet is a perfect habitat for us and and that this these celestial bodies circle us and that we are important
0: do you believe that they're hiding land like there's land that we don't know about that's not on maps like out maybe outside of antarctica you uh you ever look into any of that
2: yeah, over the ice wall, you know. I don't know what's over that ice wall and stuff, but I do believe in that and that, um, you know, in, in that ice wall. And I, I don't know what else is out there, but I believe they're hiding wealth too. I believe they got all the gold, fine gold, buried underground, you know. And they're just whenever they need some, or whenever we de- they they have a like when we defeat them and restore the banks and we restore everything back to a gold based standard, they're just gonna go bury up their fucking gold pile reintroduce it into the black market and be rich again and restart it all uh, because they'll have all the gold. I do believe they got all that shit stashed (laughs) everywhere and, and they're stashing gold. They're hiding all sorts of shit.
0: Now, do you, do you remember what got you into thinking that they're lying to us about uh, what we're on? Do you remember? Like, I mean, I, most, most people that get into Flat Earth, they got that story of like, what uh, woke them up. Do you, do, you, yeah, uh, do you remember what it was, I what video do. or something?
2: Absolutely, I do. Just like, uh, I mean, just like some, I mean, like I was telling you about the 9-11 story, I can remember where I was when I, I thought to myself, wow, this isn't right. I think our government did this, you know? And uh, I remember where I was when I started believing, wait a second, um, that sun is smaller than what they're telling us. Why would they lie about its size? And then it clicked and everything. Now, there was a video um, that I watched. Um, it was called, they took it down, of course. You can't find this video. I have millions of views. And, and you might have seen it. It's called Realize, Realize, Realize.
0: Oh, that's Hibbler's video. Hibbler, that's that's my engineer. He's right here. <laughs> he, he he made, um, he produced uh, level. That was a, a flat earth documentary that came out last year and the new one that's coming out next level. Yeah. But that, that's his video. So you saw his video. So so. It was
2: it was really witty the way that he named it. And it was so cool. It said, realize like real eyes, realize real lies, like people lying to you. And so that immediately caught my attention. So I watched that video and he done strung together, basically all the aspects of NASA lying to you in a, 10 minute video from the fact that they can't launch a rocket and sustain an actual flight pattern. So they have to do this and arch them into a U and sink them in the ocean before anybody sees it. And, um, so he put the ships flying up, doing the U turns and going into the ocean and, you know, it's convenient. They launch them from Florida and Texas right by the ocean. Cause that's the only fucking places and <laughs> spacecraft are going, you know, most of them. And, um, so that's probably what be. the
0: Bermuda Triangle is. You know what I mean? You know, that, that, you know, yeah. you, any ships to go through the Bermuda, don't go through the Bermuda Triangle. You'll disappear. And they had all these documentaries. Yeah. They, they probably just don't want anybody near that area because that's they, where the rockets land.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. And they Put some type of fuck your compass up device out there. And it, yeah. every time you go by, it just scrambles your communications or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, so it, 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 it showed that it showed the rockets failing that they said. Are in space, it showed them doing the steep U-turns and on the way down. And I'm just like, wait a second. There ain't no way it's turning that down quickly. And they're saying, oh, yeah, it's going over the curve of the Earth. Oh, bullshit, motherfucker. It's, it's lost its trajectory, and it's coming. It's on its way down. They're crashing it in the ocean. It showed the, the NASA uh, uh um, astronauts with their hair sprayed. You know, the women got their hair sprayed up, and yeah. they're doing interviews.
0: Yeah. And then it, it was people, so fall for that shit. people like, they, they like, yeah, they believe the international space station is real. It's yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah. so fake.
2: Yeah. This shit is so fake brother. And, uh, you know, and, and so I remember watching that video and I'm just like sitting there watching me. The I'm like, her hair is hairsprayed. I can look at it and tell, you know, but I never thought that before, before that video, you know, so I'm watching this video. I'm thinking, wait, they're, they're, The rockets ain't landing. Why would they crash them like that? They ain't making it over the curve of the earth. They're going straight down. Wait, the the women got fake hairspray. Why, why why wouldn't they just shoot the video in space? You know, their hair would really float. Oh, well, they fucking can't go in space. There's the zero gravity thing is all bullshit. They're, they're using hairspray, you know, um, or they can use that, um, the, on the deceleration of a plane, you know, to fake a video. The G
0: zero G planes for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, When they go down in altitude real quick, then you get that floating going on. Um, you know, they're doing, they're using that to fake videos.
0: Um, and whatever they use in like space movies to float, what, however they do it in movies, uh, that's how you do it. (laughs) That's special effects, green screen harnesses, total fakery. I mean, it's just like, Oh, they're they're floating. Yeah. They, you can watch uh, interstellar and they're floating, right? Like, That's
2: how they do it. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's all a bunch of nonsense. And, you know, then what, what shames, what to me is the most shameful about the whole organization is like, look at the good astronauts they've killed off, you know, like, um, you go back and you look at Gus Grisham and the two people that, yeah, uh, that died with him. It's like, that's, that's one of the, the saddest costs to me, you know, and then those seven astronauts blew up because they wanted to make quick money. And get them on the TV channel. I don't know if you remember that. I believe it was a challenger blew up. Yeah. That was, so yeah. They, that was so they could make a quick TV deal. It was too cold to launch a rocket that day. They the engineer knew it was going to blow up and he told NASA, don't do it, don't do it. They hung up the phone on him. You know, I studied that in business ethics in college. Um you so hear about
0: you hear about those you're talking about the the challenger with the blew up. Yeah. The O-ring. The O ring gived out on them. Have you I believe there's never anybody in those like they launch whatever they launch. I believe there's nobody ever in those motherfuckers. Uh, And if you've seen I mean, I don't know if it's real or not, but uh, uh, there's pictures and uh, people believe that those those people are still alive. The one they there was no that they're they're still alive and well, and there's pictures of them and their teachers and they didn't really change their name. And when they get approached. Uh, about it, they say, Oh no, that's my twin brother. Oh, that's my twin sister. Have you have you heard about any of that?
2: I, sh- I like- sure haven't. I sure haven't, but that that would make sense as well. Oh, yeah, like know? they're
0: they're still alive. I mean, uh Hibbler, like right, there's may- maybe maybe oh, edit locked. the yeah. picture. He- I-, I don't know if it's real or not. I mean, it's easy to fake pictures, it's easy to take a picture. Like we know it now. There's apps that you could take a picture of someone in their 20s and you run it through an app and you can make them look like they're 65. So uh but I mean, that's a theory. A theory. I don't. I another theory is that there's never anybody on these rockets. Like people couldn't uh-huh. handle all the um, the, uh, the noise. Like their heads would get blown off from the noise. Hey, you're damn right. So
2: loud, you're damn right? right. You know? Hey, you, you're absolutely right. And and to think you got to be fucking nuts to get on one of those, dude. Yeah.
0: You, you got to like, be So nuts. like you're gonna get in a missile, and um and they got these thin little helmets. I mean, like uh I, I don't know man i don't know what to, what to believe these days you know what i mean but i sure as hell um don't believe anything coming from the mainstream media, anything. And there's so many people out there that are fully, red not fully red-pilled, but like 90% red-pilled and they're like, fake news this, fake news that, you can't believe MSNBC, you can't believe CNN. But anytime they pop up anything about, oh we discovered seven new planets in 100,000 light years away, they believe that. They go, okay that's true, <laughs> but the shit I've been talking about, fake news this, fake news that, it's all fake news, you can't trust the news, but then you trust them about uh about some NASA shit and, and NASA was founded by Nazis and Warner Von Braun didn't even change his fucking name. Most of those Nazis that they brought in from Operation Paperclip, they changed their names and hit them. These guys were Nazis, but now Warner Von Braun, they put him he was the, the director of all of the fake moon missions with this German accent. They made him do videos like what? Yeah. Why didn't they change his name? I don't get that. They should have changed his name because why would like, and apparently he was Hitler's right-hand man. He was his rocket lead rocket scientist. So Uh Uh what you guys are just, you guys should have changed his name. Right? Like it's too obvious.
2: Yeah. I do believe that the truth will come to life. Eventually all will be revealed. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like more than ever, like, like, Again, I haven't read the Bible, but isn't Revelation about the mark of the beast and the end of the world and yeah. the judgment day and all that stuff. It seems like it's fucking happening, right? I
2: mean, it, it, brother, it, it's it's incredible. That book is. And, um, you know, I ain't read enough of it either. You know, I'm I'm right there with you. But I'll tell you what, I'll never read any of it and think, why wow, that was a waste of my time. I mean, every it's 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 simple and it's truth and it just there's a reason that it's the number one selling book of all time. And, and it, it's, uh, it's just, a, it's so you can apply it to so many things. There's so many lessons in there and, uh, just get that's the a app. great part about it.
0: Would you say James? I said, just get the app. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Bible, uh, the audio book, uh, I, you know, that's, uh, that's gotta be pretty popular, right? I don't even take a Bible
2: to church anymore. I use my phone. This is what my mom does. She actually does a yeah. lot of the, while she's driving, she does all uh, yeah. listening to her pastor. Most people do that now. Yeah, that's right.
1: You know, they just use their phone or their laptop, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> hey, I, we got a few more minutes here. I want to change the gears real quick. Um, oh, cool. let's, let's end it on music. Bryce, what kind of music are <laughs> you into?
2: Actually, pretty much everything. I really like that song of yours, uh, "Smoke Serpent."
0: All right, uh, you know the, the we did song, the song, the jujitsu
2: song. We did it for the love of the game. We did it, <laughs> mama. We did it for the love of the game. Yeah, that's man. that's
0: jujitsu. Hey, man, I heard you rapping on Instagram. Man, you got some skills. <laughs> we got a collab. I'm gonna have a, a, yeah. a track, and you're gonna rap over it, man. You got some skills. Bro.
2: Just send me over a beat, and I like to take my time with them, you know. And take your time,
0: take your time. We're in no rush, but I'm gonna gonna send you. I'm gonna send you a beat, and you're gonna throw down.
2: (laughs) That's right, brother. Make sure you let (laughs) me hear
0: it. Are you into metal at all?
2: Well, I can't pick a guitar, um, and I can't sing, so I cannot do anything. <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. I'm talking I about I'm talking about it. like, did you grow up listening to metal or were you all, all hip hop? Were you just mostly hip hop? I like I like a lot of uh hip hop. I do.
2: Um now I also like um like epic music instrumentals like drums and violins and all to you know, stuff like that. Like oh, Epic stuff. Yes. And, and stuff like that. Ah. I like oh, that So you
0: stuff. never grew up like a, like a, a Metallica fan or Slayer or Judas Priest or anything like that? You weren't oh, into that? I
2: love breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> yeah, it's Judas breaking Priest. Breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you were never, you would never consider yourself a metalhead in high school?
2: No, not, not really. No, I do like this one band that's called, um. I like a, a lot of bands like this. It's called uh, "Bullet for My Valentine's."
0: Okay, that's. I think that's uh, uh, like screamo or emo kind of Fuck stuff. Yeah, it is. And okay, I, I'm not gonna lie, I do like that one. And okay, my I, bloody I Valentine. Help, okay.
2: Yes, I don't typically like stuff like that, but "Bullet for My Valentine's" I can get down to that. There's a guy <laughs> named uh, Hinder. You ever heard of him, Hinder? Oh, Hinder, all right. I you yeah, know I like what. Hinder. I'm not familiar with Hinder. Different no. style. Uh, Lips of an angel. You got to hear that song.
0: Okay, okay. So, so you would say you grew up in in high school. You were. You, uh, who were your favorite rap artists?
2: Shoot, I mean, it's changed um, a lot. But my favorite back in the day, I used to listen to a lot of Lil Wayne. I used to. Uh, there's i used to listen to a lot of kevin gates um i mean i like m I, l- I love 50 cent um you know i didn't get too much into it though because there's so many names out there that you know but i do like some of that mainstream uh hip-hop stuff that pretty much everybody's heard or a lot of people have heard you know what i mean um,
0: when did you start writing uh, raps
2: that's probably about two years ago. Well, I mean, when I put them out, when well, I've been writing rap since I was a kid, but I just did it for fun. But then I decided to release the music about two years ago or something like that, maybe a year ago. But um, I've just been rapping since I was a kid because it's fun, you know?
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Beautiful. Better going to go
2: look for it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll, de- we'll definitely collab, man. Hey, listen, Bryce, uh, when's your next fight?
2: Uh, probably be at Walmart or somebody's talking a lot of shit, brother. But, uh, James, <laughs> you, don't- you gotta check out uh, Dark and Saw. I made one song called Dark Okay. Saw. Okay. I think, I think you'll like that, James. But, okay. Um, so I hope you'll like it.
0: What's it about?
2: Well, um, it talks about yeah, I'm from Arkansas. I fought through the dark and saw light at the end of the tunnel. My energy's funnel. My enemies talking, they chuckle. I don't give a fuck. I ain't no need to rebuttal. They look in my eyes and they know I won't buckle. I've been from the jungle. I've been down to rumble. Give me the microphone. I'll keep it humble. Give me the, and, and I just I keep going. You know. Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, no, you can keep going. You.
0: you didn't have to stop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's that's Arkansas. Fought through the Arkansas. Fought through the dark and Yeah, I'm from Arkansas.
0: Beautiful man. No, but you, when do you have a UFC fight scheduled or not?
2: Um, no, sir. They've offered me one, and I'm just like working on the farm, and also another big thing I want to do is get this charity going before the next fight. I want to have already done my 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 charity work, and because that's going to be the motivation for the next fight. You know what I mean? That's yeah, really the most motivating thing that I've got going on in my life that makes me want to fight is that charity.
0: What's the charity? Explain
2: it. um, Well, I'm giving $45,000, which is half the fight check, uh, not including sponsors, but uh, the actual fight night check, the win and show money. I'm giving the purse. You know, they call it the purse. I'm giving half the purse to charity. And that's my motivation, really, to keep fighting. Do you know which charity? I'm making one. It's a 105C3. It's called uh, Fight Hard Kids. And uh, it's going (laughs) to go to kids with medical needs and it's beautiful and there's not going to be no other penny go to anything but uh the kids because you know a lot of these hospitals or if you give to out of your dollar they might give 10 cents to advertising and 10 cents to staff and 10 cents to diesel Fuel or gas fuel, and and for me, I, the gas is going to come out of The forty five thousand dollars will go directly to a procedure, a medical procedure, a medical uh, medicine, or something like that. And um, I really recommend all these fighters start doing uh, doing stuff like that. The amount of um, just motivation I had for this last training camp. It was incredible, and um, and I think uh, uh, more people are going to start doing it. And um, but you know, I'm 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 starting that up, and that's going to be a thing. Half that have per- have that purse. Thank you, thank you, James. And and yeah, because I needed
1: it when I was going through my cancer thing. Yes,
2: yeah, sir. And. And I'm gonna need it one day because I'm gonna be the old geezer in that nursing home and can't remember where he's at. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now um y- you're uh you're a featherweight, 145. Who who uh Volkanowski is the champion, right? Yes, sir, he is. How do you think you'd uh, that fight would go down?
2: I would win. How would you win? By however he let me. It'd be up to him.
0: That's going to happen one day. He's talking about moving up to 55, right? That's right. That's right. Who else is at 45 that you got your eyes on?
2: I mean, the best in the vision are the the guys that are in like the top 10, you know, um, there might be another guy that's out of the top 10. That's pretty, that's going to be up up there soon, you know, but most of the guys are the guys up there. You know, you got your Wolkonoskis, your Holloways, your, uh, Ortega's your Katar's, uh, Ige's, Um, there's a lot of good guys up there and I'm, I'm missing some, but I'm. And uh, where Josh are you Henry. ranked
0: right now? Where are they, where do they have you
2: ranked? Uh, probably like 10 or maybe below 10. Don't know though.
0: You're creeping up. <laughs> it's coming quick. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I'm just, just like, uh, was talking about the ultimate fighter i'm not gonna rush it or whatever i I just have the same approach i'm just gonna keep fighting and not get greedy with the money but fight when i feel that my health permits me and uh you know but i don't feel that i'm greedily pursuing money um when i fight and um i feel good about about it when i fight but yeah i don't fight every two months or whatever you know but um, i did when i was amateur i had six fights in a year
0: now One um year. now when when you're out you're you got you're on a farm now you bought a farm you're out in the woods right
2: mm-hmm. i guess how, woods how in the do back. you tr- i'm more of a wh- pastor
0: what's your what's your daily routine like when you train like what what you know because most people need a room with you know animals and and you got it who gave you your black belt in jujitsu
2: uh, his name is William McLaughlin. He's my head coach, and uh, he's he's who corners me for the fights. Actually, you met you met Willie, the dude, with the bald spot. Remember, crazy dude.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and Roly Delgado too, right?
2: Delgado, yes, sir. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Delgado, I
0: yeah, man. So, so they're how far is the gym from your your spot? It's an hour there, an hour back. Oh, damn! And how often do you go there?
2: Uh, I'm gonna go tomorrow night. Um, when I got a fight coming up, usually about four or five nights a week. Okay. Now this last fight I didn't because I had an ankle injury. I couldn't do much anyways, except just rest and recover. So that's what I did, and I did push ups and stuff like that. But uh, usually, if I got a fight, it's like five times a week. You know what I mean? And um, you work on your fight- wrestling.
0: At, you work on your wrestling at the same spot, or do you go to a different spot for wrestling?
2: Um, I've. It's last time I went to a wrestling place with the, sh- I think the shoes might have been why I don't know. But, I mean, just wrestling in general. But popped my knee last time I went to a wrestling wrestling place. I haven't been just straight wrestling in a little while, but straight wrestlers go over to West Side, and I straight wrestle at West Side all the time. And I straight wrestled in my garage just like a week ago. And now the dude was on my high school team. He was a buddy who was in town, but he's good. He was kind of out of shape. Uh, compared to what he usually is, he still gave me hell. You know what I mean? So, it was good training. So, I'm still wrestling and stuff. I don't, like, go practice with D1 guys and stuff. But with MMA, it's like, there's this one time, uh, this is a hilarious story, at the, on the Ultimate Fighter DC told me one day, he said, uh, for practice, it was me, Tyler Diamond, and Brad Katona, where the guys left. And he was training all three of us. And uh, Tyler's the best wrestler out of all of us. Actually, me and Brad couldn't take Tyler down um, in just wrestling and straight wrestling. And so, I mean, Tyler Diamond's a great wrestler. His hand fighting and setups is great, you know. And um, DC tells us one day, hey, I'm bringing in this guy. He's going to kick all y'all's asses. And y'all honestly don't have a chance. And and I'll be honest with you. I just want to see what happens when y'all break is i want to see how y'all react to it that's what dc says to me for practice and i know i ain't the best wrestler in the world but there was something about the way he said that to me brother that i thought fuck this guy walking in the door i don't give a fuck who it is i'm gonna take his ass down and i didn't and i'm not you know straight wrestling i'm not no ncaa champ now you put some four ounce gloves on me i can put you on your ass you see the difference yeah but but that day, the way that he said it to me, he said, I'm going to see how you break, and I want to see uh, what happens when y'all get took down and can't beat beat this guy. He's going to demolish all of y'all. Well, um, he said, Tyler, you first, because he knew Tyler was the best out of us. He knew I was the worst. Out of all the three of them, out of straight wrestling, I was the worst because of the setups. My best setups are punches, you know? And, yeah. Uh, so... um he goes in this, he brings in this NCAA champion wrestler. He's a little bit smaller than us, but I mean, he's stout. Like he's like a fucking ball of muscle though. And, um, he goes, Tyler Diamond goes in with him. Boom. 30 seconds. Tyler's down. Then that was the best wrestler out of all of us. So Tyler's on his ass in 30 seconds. I'm thinking, shit. This dude's pretty good because I couldn't get Tyler down after five, 10 minutes. This guy got Tyler down in 30 seconds and I'm about to hit. Then Brad Katona goes up, boom, down in 30 seconds. And I'm thinking, shit, well, I can't get Brad down hardly. And this guy just got Brad down in 30 seconds. And I'm thinking, no, DC talked to me like I was a bitch. I was like, I'm not, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this guy everything I got and, and I'm not, I'm not letting him scare me. And I walked out there at that NCAA champion and I pushed him as hard as I could. And, you know, wrestlers don't train against a wall. I put him up against the wall and he his wrestling went out the window. I pushed him as hard as I could. Now, I waited. I waited till his back was facing the wall and I shoved him as hard as I could up against the wall and I double-legged him. I picked him up and I put him on his ass and I said, is that fucking count, coach? <laughs> and it was it was just one of the greatest moments in my life now after that the guy he wouldn't let me push him up against the wall and he he destroyed me after that he was a true ncaa champion but the point is is that i had the ability i knew if i could get him on that wall that was my one chance and with only being able to beat him with one fucking move and the mentality to go out there and execute it i beat him
0: It's a beautiful thing, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and take the wall out of the analogy that just transcends in life. You know what I'm saying? If you have that one chance to get by or whatever you're doing, you go straight for it. You know what I mean? And I knew my chance of survival against this guy who's going to beat my ass on the first day of practice was get him to that wall. Well, boy, I got to that wall and I was one of the happiest I've ever been with myself. Yeah. I bet D.C. don't even remember it. If you ask Daniel Cormier about it, he'd probably be like, what are you talking about? I don't even remember that. I remember. I remember that so i God die. I remember that.
0: <laughs> Bryce Mitchell, Thug Nasty. Uh, you could find, um, find him on Instagram at Thug Nasty, right? That's it? Is it Thug Nasty MMA or what is it?
2: I believe it's
0: Thug Nasty on the Instagram. It's I do Doug Nasty. Hey, you know I'm I'm your biggest fan, man. I love watching fight. I, I wish fight. you'd fight more often so I could see some more twisters. <laughs> <laughs> that chopped liver offer still stands. You got to do it on the other side, though. The liver's on the other side. So, um, oh, it's Thug Nasty underscore UFC. That's what that's what your Instagram is. That's um, right. Thank you, dude. I appreciate you uh, taking. Uh, time from your busy schedule to talk with us and uh, um I'm, I'm, I'm you know it was a beautiful conversation i loved every minute of it james uh any final words james i'm so proud of you man i love to see arkansas and just come
1: up and just take over <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you but i mean thank you gentlemen so much and and i really appreciate y'all stories too and Uh, the honor is mine to be here, brother, and and let me tell you what Eddie. Um, without without what you've done in the in the MMA community of giving back, brother, I'll tell you right now this farm ain't paid off.
0: Man, I appreciate. Did you get a a submission bonus? Did you get a submission? You got it. so so for that twister, of course, right? That's the one thing you get a twister. You're almost guaranteed that submission bonus, man. (laughs) That's awesome. I love hearing that.
2: um, To 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 talk about the influence that you've had uh even though you know we really only met once just from the material that I've seen of yours man you've had a huge impact on on you know just the success that I've had in the octagon so thank you and uh you holler at me anytime brother and and I really appreciated you and James and uh thank Mm -hmm. you for your well brother
0: Hey, we actually met twice because you came down to my school once and then, and then backstage at a, at a UFC, we went over some moves and stuff. We were, you were showing me twister stuff. I I was like, I was thought I was going to show you some stuff. You showed me some stuff, man. (laughs) So next time you're in LA, I know you don't like to travel. But next time you're in LA, please come to my gym and we'll, we'll, we'll touch base and you know, you can show me some stuff. I could show you some stuff and we'll exchange some techniques. Thank you. Once again, James, Absolutely. you know, I love you, dog. Um, right. James gotta, uh, uh, w- w- There's a book coming out on, on James's life his a uh, fascinating life. It's called mastering the metal. It's about um, him growing up in Arkansas. And that whole story that we touched on at the beginning of the podcast today, his whole story of mm-hmm. you know, him being a metalhead in Arkansas and, and uh, getting that plane ticket coming out to LA and then how we met and how we started uh, making music. It's called Mastering the Metal and uh, it should be out probably by the end of the year. Um, Again, thank you guys. It was an awesome podcast. I'll have you on again for sure. Doug Nasty. Thank uh, you, man. Stay in touch. James, you know I love you. And thank oh, you guys. Yeah. Uh and, hey. and thank you guys, uh, all all the listeners out there who showing support and and all the beautiful comments on uh the, the, the episode one. I appreciate that tremendously. Uh thank you all. And you know, uh till next time. See you. Hey, guys. James, boy, guys.
2: James here in Arkansas. You can holler at me, brother. He's going to Arkansas. I'm He's going actually Arkansas. going to
0: Arkansas and like when when are you going, James?
2: May seventh you're more than welcome to come to the gym and meet my coaches. And just if if you're bored, just want to kill some time, watch some training. I'd love to get them. If you, if you got some free time, I know you're probably really busy, but you're always welcome. And you get my Uh number ready and you can just say, Hey, where's the gym at? Now I'll I'll shoot your address. They just got a new location. Very nice gym in Little Rock. Oh, 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 that'd be awesome. Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, that's going to happen for sure. You got to do that, James. (laughs) Oh, definitely. All right, guys. Love you all, all right, man. Thank you very okay. much. All right, okay,
2: thank you so much. Okay, you bye-bye.
1: You can tell it's real because it looks so fake.